everyone, and welcome back to Our Fun Things Fun, with me, Ranka, and my co-host... Mallory, hello! Hello, hello! Hello, hello, hello. Um, hello, hello. Um, so, this week we're, we're coming back to you with a, another new show. Um, so this is our, our second truly new show of the podcast. But Mal, I, I first want to ask, how have, you, how have your neighbours been recently? Uh, well, Halloween was pretty rough. Uh, two of my neighbors both threw parties. Um, Very fair. One of them was sort of like just like a witch. Uh, okay. The other one, I didn't really get a good look. It was sort of like, I think she yeah. low-key had like a demon girl outfit going on. Wh- what? Are you saying that there was a Machikado Mazoku? Uh, not not really next door. It was more like <laughs> upstairs. But yeah, yes. Yes, I'm saying that exactly. Yes. Excellent. Yeah, this week we will be reviewing uh, Machikado Mazoku, which is a show from 2018. Uh, I believe. God, I hope I didn't get that wrong. I think it's 2019, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to double check right now. Is it 2019? Um, actually, 2019 makes more sense. It's real that. recent. Hot off the presses. For us. Yeah, 2019. Actually, yeah, 2019. 2019. Yeah. Uh, I guess Low Start was 2018, so we're, we've got some more recent shows under our belt. Yeah, we're getting um, there. So, this is... Um, Probably one of the less discussed shows that were on our sort of like our high priority list of things to get to, but I'd still say it seems pretty popular. I've heard people mentioning it. I had a lot of talk about its its world building, and we'll get back to that. Um and just people being quite fond of it but saying, ah, oh, but you gotta wait until season two. And again, we will presumably loop back around to that point. Uh but first, I guess we're gonna start with the plot summary. And the fucked up thing is this show actually requires a plot yeah, summary. We've For got the first one. time in the podcast history, we actually have to deal with, with a show with a genuine narrative. Um, Pretty exciting stuff. It is, it is. Uh, so, Magic Mouse Mazku uh, tells the story of one day this girl from a very poor family, Yuko, uh, has a dream in which she sees her ancient Mesopotamian demonic ancestor and tells she tells her, you've got to become a demon. You've got to become the strongest demon. Uh, and you need a blood sacrifice. Uh, and Yuko wakes up with a horns and a tail, and her mom's like, "Oh yeah, the reason that we live in poverty is because um, the like light clan of like heroes and magical girls have put a curse on us, which means we can only have an income of forty k yen a month, which is around four hundred American dollars, five hundred, six hundred Canadian, uh, one million Canadian dollars. Oh, uh, Canadian actually, dollars. yes, um, and." Essentially, if she can get uh, blood from a magical girl and feed it to the demonic statue of her ancestor, um, they can be cured of this. And so later this day, while she's plotting, figuring out what she's going to do, she nearly dies by falling in front of a truck and is saved by, of all things, a magical girl. Which is pretty unfortunate. Uh, Yeah. But you know what? Yuko, our heroine, she's like, right, I'm going to take this magical girl down. And so it turns out this magical girl has basically gone through all three seasons of her Precure run, and is basically a god. And uh, Yuko is sort of an episode one villain. Um, But more confusingly, her magical girl enemy seems to have very, very little interest in fighting her for whatever reason. And the show goes from there. Uh, And it does actually legitimately go from there, in that there is not actually kind of- there's a bit of a status quo to the show, but it actually changes throughout its run. There's plot developments. I know this sounds like a really silly thing to say this show has a narrative that actually goes somewhere, but 
Uh, but it, hey, you've heard it here first, or maybe <laughs> second. You've heard it here first. <laughs> it, it is kind of a bit unusual for, for the genre. And honestly, for the kind of like light urban fantasy, light novelish sort of story it is, the fact it actually has a uh, status quo that changes over the course of the series is a bit unusual. It's very refreshing, uh, yeah. And... Um, I, I actually kind of wanted to open up discussing genre a bit. Are, yeah. are we good with the plot summary? I think I think that's a plot summary. Okay, all right. I wanted to discuss genre a bit because I would call, like, okay. So going into the show, I kind of knew a little bit about it. There's a demon girl who's in regular Japan or what have you. Uh, fun little fact, actually, I did a bit of. This is a very very minor point, but uh, the city that takes place in Tama, Tama City or something like that. Yeah. is based on the mangaka uh, Izumo Ito's uh, actual hometown growing up, apparently. Oh, so, very adorable. Uh, it's based on an actual Tama something or some area of, like, Tokyo suburb. Anyways, um, so yeah, extremely, extremely, like, middle-of-the-road suburb and setting with your fantastical characters inserted in. Would you call this, like, a reverse isekai? Not really, because no character, all the characters stay in their the setting they're from the entire time. That's true. I would call it a deconstruction of the magical girl genre. Whoa! Oh my god! That's no, crazy. I wouldn't. Actually, no I one... wouldn't. I'm. I'm not actually going to do. That. I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> no, no. I, I knew you were joking. Come on, give me a bit of credit. Um, first of it's all, pretty... no one dies in this show, so like, how epic could it possibly be? Um. <laughs> My other real thing was, like, I guess going into it, um, my main comparison point was, like, um, specifically Jahi-sama. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. That was, my fir- that was my first comparison point um, yeah. to that show. Jahi-sama is a relatively similar thing. Um, it's more of, um, oh, who's the author for that one? That's the author behind um, Nanashi no Asterism. They're basically like a Yuri mangaka, yeah. first and foremost quick little editor's note here the author i was referring to behind um nanashino asterism that is actually kina kobayashi and not the author of jahi sama wakame kombu um i think both are pretty fine mangaka uh both do a lot of cool yuri stuff i'd recommend both heavily but specifically jahi sama is written by wakame kombu and not kina kobayashi editor's note over yeah, so, like, mostly, I would call that mostly manga for homosexuals as opposed to slice of life outright. Yeah. Um, Jahi is way more of, like, uh, blending gag manga into Yuri rather than, like, introducing Yuri elements into, like, slice of life. And similar kind of, like, magical villain out of water in poverty kind of setup. Mm. Like, very, very similar setup. Yeah, actually. Jahi is way more of a comedy. Like, way, way more of like, yeah, a comedy. despite um, also being less funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought the manga was okay. okay. I haven't seen the anime. I've heard kind of rough shit. things about its, it's production. It's, it's, yeah, it, it, it was like really low budget, no, it right? it looks nice. It's directed terribly. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, bummer. So it kind of got Goku shufudo <laughs> a little bit. No, that one that one has like a technically <laughs> no, I know, skilled I know. director. It is the sad thing. <laughs> oh, man. That's brutal. Well, that's enough of a tangent onto Jahi-sama. Basically, my long, long story short here is that going into this, I had some precedent for like there's what we're working in in terms of like ground we're treading you know like you have a bit of genre parody going on mm. you're blending the fantasy stuff with like the maho shoujo stuff and then also sort of like grounding it in real world for like satire stuff 
I um, overall I, I went, fairly liked that angle of the show. Yeah, I, I actually went pretty blind. Like I thought this was kind of kind of be like a Gabriel dropout kind of thing, and maybe a bit more on like the reverse isekai kind of angle. Uh, I know we mentioned Gabriel dropout at the end of last episode. I still don't know what Gabriel dropout is, other than there's an angel in it, and I mostly know that from the title <laughs> and not from having seen any of it. Uh, it's it's like. Uh, it's like an Idiarata manga, but less funny. And if it was about okay, cool. no, you know, you know, there's like, have you seen that a recent series about the um the angel and the blue skin demon girl? Um, oh, I don't know what that is. It's not coming to mind. Yo, you got I gotta show that one. That one's it's called um yeah, please. Uh, big tits, blue skin, and a fucking loner. Uh, it's it's really good. Um, that manga's good. You should read that. Um, Wait, that's the title. Yeah. That's a good fucking it's, title. It's, okay, I'll have to read that. I'll have to fucking show you before the end of the podcast just so you go, wow, this looks epic. Um, yeah, no, I wasn't really aware of the premise or the fact it was, like, so grounded. I, I was expecting more yeah. sort of, like, fantasy comedy when it's more about living in abject poverty and depression. <laughs> yeah, it's surprisingly grounded i don't think it's a bad thing at all oh, no, it definitely sure. took me a little bit to get on the show's wavelength of terms of like what it's and en- what it ends up like doing or what it's like about mm. um or what it's interested in showing i guess is really more accurate way of putting yeah. it i i think so it's interesting that mal compared this to jahi uh my comparison for this show would be Bokuno hero academia season one wow okay um, in that the whole thing is a extended training arc for something that never really happens. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's fair. But it is, it is, I, I like it more than Boku Hero The other thing I would also compare it to is another classic JC staff show, uh, Loveless. Uh-huh. That the plot starts in episode 12 and then the show ends. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unlike Loveless, we are going to be getting a second season of this, um, real soon. Real soon, yeah. Yeah, this is actually... Is that, uh... Winter 2022? Spring, I believe. Spring, okay. So we've still got a bit, bit of time until then, but yeah, looking forward to yeah. seeing how it turns out. But yeah, um, I guess we should do the character rundown now. Yeah, let's do the rundown. I think um, this show's characters are interesting compared to most of the stuff we've been covering so far in the podcast. This is like our first show that doesn't have what I would call a main group. It doesn't. It has a nuclear couple. Yes, it has a, has a central duo and then characters who all kind of hang off around them and interact with them uh yeah there is a uh, pretty pretty healthy strong secondary cast Mm. in this show but our primary characters are just the main two yuko the demon girl and momo the maho shoujo yuko or shamiko or shadow mistress yuko to her friends i feel like shamiko yeah like that's a friend's name i'm gonna be calling her yuko i'm gonna be calling her a young demon never broke again (laughs) Uh, hard-fucking newfound demon lord in training, who's a super, extremely cute and charming character, really squishy, bit of a loser, and has this, I think, fun angle of her kind of being, like, genuinely acting like a scrub villain from a shonen manga, but in a Yeah, kind of... she's both got the disposition for it, and she's also seemingly leaning into it at times. Yeah. It's very good. Um, and you've got Momo, magical girl, who I think is really interesting because... She feels like the logical conclusion of the... How to put it? The mask, if you are fucking kidding yourself, like Bandari, Revstar, Bushiroad, Futch. Oh, sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. In that she is actually a total hunk, even though she looks like fucking Madoka with a haircut. 
She does. I will say she does have some pretty funny good boy shorts. She uh, does. In some of her casual outfits, so I do like that. I do I do like her good boy shorts. Uh, that I, stuff's fun. She is also shredded. Total hunk, total stud, Italian stallion. Yep. Uh, um, depressed, sad girl, kind of has a sigma oh, yeah. mindset, uh, family problems, uh, sure likes Yuko a lot. <laughs> yeah, she got a big thing for Yuko, which is very, very cool. Very cool. Um... Uh, then I guess the quick, yep. quick little seiyu notes on these two. Tell us. Um, Momo seiyu Akari Kito, also Silence from Arknights. We said we'd be doing this now, so Makes I'm mentioning sense. that. I think that's funny. They both have a very good, um, very low-key vocal delivery. Mm. Makes sense. I can really hear it now you said that. And then Yuko, um, Konomi Kohara, a.k.a. Chika from Kaguya-sama. Oh. Which... Makes a lot of sense to me. Those are both some oomphed up comedy girls. I think that that's a good. That is true. That one makes sense. Haven't seen all of Kaguya-sama. I say like season one. Uh, I like Chika. Chika's cool. She's fine. Uh, she gets to say so much funny jokes. Oh my goodness. Generally speaking about their performances, uh, I really like Yuko's. I really like Yuko's performance throughout the show. Yeah. It's so fucking high effort and high energy, and it really makes a lot of jokes. Um, stand up. It makes a lot of it makes a lot of jokes, emotional delivery stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, Konomi is really lifting insanely heavy in this show, um, from start to finish. Yeah, uh, I think her vocal delivery is is great. I think I think she has a couple of like iconic Inhuman anime girl noises. Oh yeah, there's some good ones. Uh, and I like uh, Momo's performance is not particularly special, but it's a good one. She she sells yeah the, yeah the the being the way she is. I think that's a fair way of putting it. She is the convincing, depressed stud. I think that uh, totally makes sense. Totally works. And then to round off the sort of the secondary recurring cast, we've got uh, Yuko's family with her sort of increasingly gaslight gatekeepy girl boss mother, who is extremely cool. I assume she's a Malcor character. Uh, I like Seiko. Seiko's pretty great. Pretty I like good. that she is definitely a good cook, but just has to put up with so much fucking lackluster ingredients. I think the pancakes bit was real good. Oh, the pancakes bit was tragic. Um, I love and respect Seiko. I hope that she gets her new fridge. Oh my oh, god. Oh god, the fucking fridge. Oh. When they teased the new fridge, oh. and then they just had that joke fall through, I fucking cried. That was and then so the rough. next, And then the next day, at home, my toaster oven broke. <gasps> oh, wow. And that's facts. That, that's powerful, that is. Um, it's fucked up. Also, her, her little sister, uh, Ryoko, who is um, a future Three Kingdoms tactical gen- general and also see i i think i think ryoko is the sigma grind set in this show she is the sigma emoto she's she is the sigma emoto she's she doesn't she's too good a human being to have the sigma grind set but she she is no she's well she's yeah that's true she's not sigma in like the pickup artist sense she is sigma in like the like grind set sense like in the true like bettering bettering myself through understanding of sun tzu's works on the art of war (laughs) And applying them to real life. God. She really, no, she really is, isn't she? Um, then you have uh, Yuko's friends. Um, not her teacher. Her teacher is a very minor walk-on character who still has funny bits, but is yeah, not good teacher. to this. Uh, I guess the actual sort of teacher-ish character is uh, Lilith slash Shamisen slash the Ancestu. The Ancestor statue. Yes. Uh, who is Yuko's sort of also kind of evilish Mesopotamian demonic ancestor mentor who lives in a funny gyroid to Animal Crossing. 
um, and basically exists to forward along the plot um, and make, I think, Loki, her Seiyu does the funniest noises of the show. Whenever That's fair. I think she gets some real good sounds. Any, sure. Anytime she has to say Shemiko's name, I get... I get emotional. Yeah. Shamiko. Shamiko. Um, uh, there's that one bit um, where she's in the garbage pile and she's saying, Tashkete! Yeah. Tashkete! I thought those were awesome. Yeah. I, I agree. Really good performance. And surprisingly good reaction faces for a gyroid. Um, yeah, I liked when they started animating the gyroid. Um, it was a little bit creepy at first, but I think in a good way. I, th- I think it's been creepy is, is part of the charm. Um, yeah, definitely. And finally, rounding off the the four girls if you really squint it's really not the, the show kind of tries to present them as the four girl cast but they really uh, i don't think i i think the show is smart enough to not try that too much oh, i, I don't say. think this doesn't like the marketing is done the show itself doesn't oh like oh interesting okay i haven't seen much of that but um, that that would totally make sense because that's i guess what you would present that as yeah you have uh mikan who is a magical girl who is was on the same sort of pre-cure team as momo has a lot of unresolved feelings towards her <coughs> ex drama, um, and also her oh, sister, yeah. and about being a magical girl in general. Um, and she's she's charming. Uh, I thought she might be really obnoxious when she first showed up, but I think she actually is fun in that she gives both Momo and Yuko like other people to bounce off. Uh, and her... Yeah, I think that she does round out a lot of the relationship stuff between the main couple. Yeah. Um, and also, I was really worried her recurring gag was going to become not funny very quickly, yeah. but they do a pretty okay job with it. They don't overuse it as much as I was. It's not about. my favorite joke in the it's show, not... but it's not obnoxious. I, I think I think the one time because her hobbit is uh, whenever she gets emotionally distraught, she causes other people to have misfortune. It um, is a curse placed on her by some demon or something. Yeah. Um, and this sort of mostly like leads to mildly funny slapstick. There is a fun time it interrupts with um a transformation sequence, which is pretty good. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. And that's that's most of your cast. Uh, uh you did not actually mention her friends. We just talked about Lilith instead. Oh well. Her her school friends. She has. Oh whatever. Henri shows up fairly often to do like Tsukomi stuff. Yeah. Uh, her one friend Henri is like her friend in her class who is mostly, like, a plot device for setting up stuff that's happening. Maybe she's, like, counsel for Yuko, I would say. Yeah. Bit of a Tsukomi going on there. She's fun. Like, she, she's, um, she's She's good. Yeah. I think she's good. She's not underused. She's not overused. She's just not much of a character, mm-hmm. which is fine. This show is not about her. And then you have Shion, the uh, extremely mentally ill occult ed- researcher, who is very cool. Um, she's a, she's on like some of, sort of like Sigma grind set of her own. If Sigma is sort of like the name of like a famous witch or like a tarot card deck, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Shion's pretty good. I think that Shion shows up even less frequently than Anri, um, but is way more deranged. And I think uh, I have a note here about what I think is the most fucking insane psychotic single bit in the entire show, and we will get to that. But it is thanks to Shion for that one. So. Oh, is it? Oh, I'm interested. I I wonder we'll if we get the there. Same thing. That bit is. It's the same thing. Quite, we'll get there. We'll definitely good. get there. <laughs> um. All right. Uh. As far as production notes go, um. Nothing too notable. Director is Hiroaki Sakurai. Um. This guy's been around the block a bit. He's been doing stuff since um, uh, Utena, actually. Oh, wow. Gosh. Um, yeah, f- fair amount of stuff. You know, real real jobber. 
He's done some Mucal Dreamy. Actually, oh. sorry, series director for Mucal Dreamy. That so makes there you go. so much sense. I was going to bring up Mucal yeah, Dreamy there's later. Some, that makes there's some goopiness to this. A yeah. lot of sense. Yeah, I think the there's like a the good eye for like mascotism in this show, yeah. despite not really having mascots, but there's there a lot of malleability to the, to the visuals, I think. Yeah. I'd say overall the production of the show is like, coming off Hidamari's sketch where we could talk for 30 minutes about camera angles... This is a very yeah. This is perfunctory, not in a bad way, just in a oh, this is a good-looking show that has well-done joke pacing, some occasionally clever visuals. It's like yes, yeah, occasionally clever is a good is a good uh, way to describe the visuals. Yeah, and it's not meant to sound backhanded; it's just more factual. Yeah, the visuals are occasionally noteworthy and clever. Yeah, like I, I think yeah, like it it looks really good. There's no like I'm obviously watching Blu-rays, but I saw like no real quality drop-off moments at all. Oh yeah, no, ex- outstandingly steady. This is a JC staff joint, so you know they got that money. Um... Uh, hit and miss. Hit and miss. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. You know what? You know why it's called JC staff? Why is it called JC staff? Because uh, when they were when they were making Index, one of the guys went in and said, "Jesus Christ, you guys should hire some staff." <laughs> um... Index looks fine. That's that's even the Index right... looks like dog shit. I fucking hate Index ah, so much. Nah, it looks oh, animation animation wise, it's alright. Like, yeah, all right. The aesthetics, it's fine. It's fine. Mm, but the animation's bigger. Right? Okay, yeah, you're right. It's not JC Staff's fault that they have the world's ugliest gentleman uh, ever <laughs> developed, uh, and he's in every episode. Yeah. Amazingly, um, my one like big like spotlight I wanted to do for the direction in mm-hmm. this show is actually the ED. Yeah, which I loved. I adore this ED so much. The visuals are clever. Uh, directed by Yoshiki Yamakawa. Okay. Um, once again, total journeyman, lots of effort. Um, most relevantly, uh, the director for Kill Me Baby. Makes a lot of uh, sense. Yeah, yeah. And secondly, Ronka, you're going to find this funny. Okay. Uh, chief character designer for all of DG Charat. Ah, that makes that. Because I was like, this is like such a distinct art style. This has to be like one of yeah. the notable, notable classic illustrators, but I couldn't yes. put my finger on it. No, yeah, Fair one enough. of the goats. Um, I, I, I love this ED so much. It's incredibly, incredibly confident, clean, cheapy drawings. Unbelievably tight sense of form for like once again this mascotism, where it's like the tiny, squishy, extremely simple faces and expressions. Uh, fantastic stuff. I, I adore this ED. This might be like, in terms of visuals, my favorite ED that we've seen so far I, in the series I in, would in agree. our podcast. Song, yeah, I love song, it. I, I love the CD. The song somewhat grating, but it's it's. Fine. The song is okay. The song but is the, fine. It's serviceable, the but like the vi- oh my god, it's such a it's such a sharply animated sequence. I don't know. It just really hit it hit every every note I'm looking for. It does also have that that classic benefit, like the slow start opening of the more you watch the show, the more you understand what's going on in the ED. Yeah, definitely. Lots of lots of little tidbits hidden here and there in the ED that uh, unwrap over time. And it's great when they're in the ED, because then at the end of the episode where you notice one of the bits, you go, oh my god, that was from this episode. So that was really fun. Absolutely fun time. Finding out what the protein shake was, was, that was a good moment. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The protein shake, also the the homunculus doll, when that started showing up in the ED. Yeah. That was surprising. I was like, I assumed that was gonna be some kind of like light side deity or something encountered later on. Not, not what that turned out no, to be. No, not at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I love the CD. Big ups to Yoshiki Yamakawa. Fucking phenomenal. Um, 
that is my major production note. The rest of this, when we've talked about it, it's serviceable, it's very competent. I would not call it extremely special. I really like the opening song, actually. I'm extremely... Opening song's quite good. The song is quite good. It's, it's got that uh, Yakishimaru Etsuko sort of vibe to it. It's... Yeah, it's, a little bit of that backbeat. Yeah. I, yeah, totally. It's, it's, it, it sounds like the opening to a romance anime, which is what you're actually watching um yeah it's true it's a good way it's a really good point yeah kind of go so what you're actually watching what you think you're gonna watch is funny demon girl slice of life and what you're actually watching is like the weird combination of like the opening arc of a shonen manga and like a yuri hime series basically yeah i yeah that's totally fair this could totally have run in yuri hime yeah with like very few alterations yeah honestly uh, honestly, if we run in just, just jump. tag it with slow burn and you're set. Yeah, or shonen jump, either or. <laughs> this is this is a surprisingly wide scoped series for what it is. I would say. Yeah. Uh, it's covering a lot of ground and it does pretty much everything it wants to do pretty competently. Yeah, I would I would say like I would say. In terms of, I'll get onto my feels about the ending later, but I feel in terms of yeah what it is in of itself it is probably the most Hidemori aside because Hidemori is, is no nah, that's no yeah, yeah. I'd say and I guess Yushiki sets out exactly what it intends to do so I'm also put Yushiki inside okay out of <laughs> this slow start and K-On which is at this point a completely meaningless destination it's it's the one that I think completes on its telling a complete 12 episode story the most um in which yeah okay because yeah. Kaon pretends it tells you a 12-episode story, and it really doesn't. It just it just has things happen, and then the character goes, and we sure experienced a lot this year. Um, yeah. And then Slow Start is really cool, but doesn't actually conclude in any way. While this tells a 12-episode story arc about, um, wouldn't it be fucked up if magical girls were, like, evil, but in, like, a kind of, like... But in, like, much more of a bureaucratic yeah. sort of way. <laughs> What, what then if... the obvious like dark like like dark sided edgy setup or what have you yeah i mean there, there is a bit of an implication of that but it doesn't like in practice so i think i think what we should probably go to on is explaining the whole like world setup and lore of the series because yeah let's discuss some important. lore yeah yeah uh so for lore we have um magical girls exist as part of a group called the light clan and there's also the, the Dark Clan, which predominantly uh, consists of demons. Um, and I would say that demons here is a very general sort of term, yeah. stretching from, like, your classic, like, cartoonish biblical up to, like, villain of the week in Precure that looks like a cardboard box or, like, a toothpaste tube or something. Yeah. Like, d- demon seems to encapsulate all of this into the Dark Clan as an oppositional force to Maho Shoujo. Which I think is a uh, pretty, it's pretty cute. It, it shows its influences very well, and it's also not too ambitious, but it also is like it's it's a nice encapsulation, I think, of the aesthetic they're going for. Yeah, so, well done on that. It's it has got sort of vibe of like, it, it it is playing with genre conventions in a very unobnoxious way. It, yes, totally. It never pats itself on the back, being like, oh, did you see what we did there? It's it's just it just straight up, I think, plays very straightforwardly, in a world where. If Precure series existed to a normalized degree, um, this is probably how the world would shake out in terms of a narrative. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, there, I got a lot of very specific Precure vibes. We can talk about that more later, though. Let's get this lore yeah. wrapped up for sure. So, yeah, but yeah, definitely definitely some, some of that. So, um, we haven't mentioned the, the finale yet, but basically the, the basis we find out is um, Magical Girls exist. Um, once you finish your like Magical Girl vision quest, basically, you don't lose your powers, but you aren't necessarily required to be on like active Magical Girl duty. Um, generally magical girls are encouraged to hunt demons most don't really care about it and will normally only act if they're like actually threatening but there are some who will go around um, exterminating demons uh, we don't see these in the show unfortunately um, it, yeah I would love to see what the uh, what the uh, retired ronin maho shoujo is, is pulling for I'm swag these days and so instead it's sort of like and demons again demons don't really have a particular need to do any evil they can just exist but they are more likely to be targeted by magical girls and also by like the karmic existence of the world um right yeah for being evil which is i wouldn't say the show goes heavy on its socioeconomic critique and i do think it slightly flubs that a little bit towards the end if you want to watch the show for that but it's a cool angle it's it's neat. i would agree yeah i think once again this is largely like if i'm drawing a comparison to jahi or something which i'm only really doing because i notice a lot of parallels in this regard I, for the record this is a much more competent production than jahi i think across the board um but the biggest contrast in terms of its ethic is that in Jahi, the titular character is a loser who sucks by her own design uh, because she is, you know, she has hubris, she has classic failings, she has flaws as a character, and then when she fails, it is because of her actions. Mm -hmm. um, this show has a fatalist bent to Yuko's epic fail routine Yeah, that is largely predicated in the demon lore and in the curses placed upon demons and you could even extrapolate that it is largely you know they, they stretch it out a little bit to talk about socioeconomic conditions poverty etc but also a lot of that is just she is a fail girl who was born fail and lives fail and yeah. does not necessarily possess character flaws in the same way that a classic comedic fall girl like wood yeah which but i would say this... which like i don't think it bugs me too much it's not my favorite kind of comedy in this genre or in this vein but it's 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 played off surprisingly well i would say for what it yeah, is yeah i would say it helps narrative is intensely sympathetic towards towards you yeah know. oh yeah 100 percent. like it, it, the the show is like it, it's very keen on like portraying the um Ultimately, Yuko is, is a victim of extremely horrible circumstances entirely beyond her control. Um, and then, of course, the implication on the other side is that Momo does not particularly like the fact that this like, division between the light and dark sides exists. Uh, she's not particularly bothered about it in the like a overall, oh, we got to tear down these boundaries, but she's like in a position of like, you know what, I have not actually had anything good happen to me because I'm a magical girl. Um. And... Yeah, she just like has a big house, no parents, can't cook. Yeah, like she's like, there's there's definitely a bit of like a a, a prince and the pauper kind of like dichotomy happening with those two, where mm -hmm. like uh, Yuko is is very poor, 
but is um is spiritually very rich for her loving and caring family and her friends and momo is you know well off isolated comfortable but extremely extremely lonely for it yeah and also Um, also want to just say here um the rich girl in the series is really good but I guess Momo's not even like she's not really a rich girl. She's just like upper she's middle like, class. She's like she's upper middle class. Yeah. She's petite bougie. Yeah. yeah. I guess Mikan yeah. is also kind of the same. Yeah. Mikan is in, Mikan looks deranged. I don't know. I mean, I guess she's rich enough if she can just leave whatever town she lives in for X period of time. I she does not strike me as rich. She looks like she owns like a jewelry shop downtown, but like not like a huge one. Yeah. And like she's like selling CBD oil and shit. Maybe. Yeah, she does have that vibe, doesn't she? Um, she has like cluster B personality, like salesperson <laughs> attitude. <laughs> uh, um, um, but yeah. Oh man. The the first sort of big um, reversal of fortune happens. I think about the midpoint of the series, where mm. um, essentially um, Momo. Why does Momo cut herself again? Does she just like fall over because of like anemia? I think she just fell down, yeah, because yeah. of um, exhaustion. I yeah. believe it's it's like super off camera. Like I don't, they don't draw attention to it. It's like a secondary point. Yeah, uh, but in the process, of like, oh no, my friend hurt herself. Well, I guess we should, I guess I guess we might as well explain the plot while we also explain the law. Uh, so basically, yeah, Momo has been like, yo, yeah, of course I'll fight you, Shemiko. Um, but is also like, but I can't fight you until you're strong enough. So she's basically just keeps on finding excuses to train Yuko rather than fight her at any given opportunity. Um, yeah. To to somewhat, I would say, obviously affectionate degrees pretty quickly. Um, oh, for sure. Well, yeah. most of this is going over Shemiko's head. Shemiko just wants to fight Yuko, but doesn't... Uh, Shemiko doesn't want, just wants to fight Momo, but also doesn't, doesn't want to fight her too much. She has like a bit of... She's like, oh, I do like Momo, but... I can't, I can't beat her under the wrong circumstances. Um, and then this kind of traverses the midpoint where, um, by complete accident, Shemiko manages to get the the blood tribute to her statue, uh, which yep. somewhat lessens the curse in her family. Uh, they have money again, uh, and it also in the process makes Momo extremely weak, and uh, her like issues with like basically eating like shit and not taking much care of herself worsen substantially. Turns out it's because um, when you become a magical girl, you become light energy itself. And now Shemiko has kind of stolen her powers, and she might literally die if she overexerts herself going forward. So The thing that killed me was when they described that and they explained, no, no, she's not dead. It's just that her soul has dissolved into infinitely tiny particles. It's yeah. like, that's legitimately worse than dying. Yeah, I'm just going to put that out there. That's 100% worse than dying. It's it's um, it's the classic um how being sent to the shadow realm is like censorship, but if you think about it, it's actually yes. definitely more horrifying. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Lots of Yu-Gi-Oh parallels here. There are honestly a few, a couple. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, if, if yeah. Squint. Anyway, and then and then they kind of now go to like this case of like essentially now, Shamiko has to act kind of as a magical girl in Momo's stead, and I think maybe the one. The closest thing the show has to a failing, and I can kind of understand why they did it, and it probably would not be as jarring as if this was a manga versus being an anime, is there's never any actual combat in the entire series. Yeah, I, I don't even mind that there's no combat between Momo and Yuko, because yeah. obviously that's what their dynamic is about, is about sidestepping that yeah. because of how they feel. 
But yeah, like every time they're talking about, oh, you have to take over my duties. I like, I, I guess you could say that they're lampshading that because she doesn't have to do anything. And yeah. that's partially why she's in like such like a state of like, you know, disrepair mentally yeah. or like, like, you know, she's like her semi-retirement is like boring the hell out of her because she doesn't actually have anything to do in town. Yeah. So I get it. But like. It's weird that they talk about it as if it has some level of weight or anything when they have never shown or they're never going to show, like, what does the villain of the week in this world actually look like yeah. if it's not Shamiko? Yeah, I guess I guess we see the Asmodeus demon briefly, but... Yeah, like, like Mikan says, I thought there was Asmodeus here, and then you see a, a drawing of a fucked up goat yeah. um, with a um... huge tongue. And then that's it. I like. I would love to see someone fight that yeah. at some point. And like, I I can. I don't know. I think I think if they had to try to make it not interrupt the main storyline, I mean, they probably could have. I know like a filler episode where Mikan has a fight because I think Mikan fighting isn't as much of a like potential plot hazard. Anyway, I suppose yeah. It's 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 not like a detraction. It, it kind of makes it honestly interesting how slow paced it is and also when you find out there's actually kind of a reason why Shemako doesn't have to do anything in the last couple of episodes um yeah. so it, it holds together it just feels like a slightly strange choice or like I don't know you feel like it should be like some like a battle as like a simulation or like within one of Shemako's dreams or something um yeah I would say given how this 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 season ends I I maybe they're saving it for season two. I I think so. Um, I I did read some of the manga. I did not get exceptionally far because I do not love the manga's art style. Oh no, really? I think it's just way too squishy. And something about the way that it's been. And this is okay. It's not anyone's fault, but something about the way it's been scanned and uploaded just really flattens all the gray screen screen tones, uh... and it's just it's visually hard for me to parse. I don't know. It just looks like shit. Um, the art's fine, honestly. It's mostly the way that it's been scanned and, like, leveled poorly, which is a personal pet peeve of mine. Because oh. I'm good at that shit. Oh, I... Um, anyways. I don't like how Momo looks in the manga, right? It's bad, right? I'm like, I don't sh- love I think Shemiko is fine, it. but Momo, like... Shemiko's maybe... fine because she's a squishy oomphie. Yeah. But, like, Momo doesn't have the edge that I would like her to have and that I think that they reach in the show. Yeah, I think in the show they're very good at making her... Cool. Well, I guess you She's could so also cool. say like her voice adds a lot to that presentation. It does because a lot of a lot of that character is gap moe. Yeah. Between her her magical girl appearance and then her attitude and voice work. Yeah. So maybe we're maybe we're cutting um, Miss uh, Miss Akari Kito a bit a bit less a bit more slack here because I think she's done she, her performance while being typical of that job does a lot of gap moe. Yeah. Which makes Momo work better as a character. Anyways, long story short, I did not love the manga from what I read of it. Mm. I've and season two is confirmed. I'll probably just watch that instead. Um, yeah, that's that's how I hope feel. this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for the record, I think we both seem to like this show fairly enough. Oh, I, yeah. We got different feelings on it, but like, yeah, we're I'm watching season two of this for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna cut off. The yeah. Um. So if you're waiting for the final thoughts, there they are. Um. See you next time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now on to the nitty gritty. Hmm. Let's talk about the pairing. Let's talk about the, yeah. Let's it's, talk about Yuko and Momo. Let's talk about how the the romance in the romance series. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about the romance in the romance series. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's a it's a really fun dynamic that I think I think the loveless comparison, while a semi joke. God, you're fucking insane. I'm. I'm <laughs> saying it, it's it is a better version of the loveless dynamic. 
Oh yeah, okay, that's fair. That's a yeah, fair thing to say. Yeah, I mean, in that, like, I, I think it's good because at at the start, you kind of assume it's going to fall into like a pretty standard role of like, oh, Momo's the cool one, and Shamiko's always going to be the one looking up to her. But Shamiko gets her wins as the series goes on, and Momo yeah, episode has... six in particular, um, this, they had their first like big like um role reversal moment, yeah. which I was kind of like, like I had some notes early on where I'm like, I like their dynamic. I really. I want to see what they do with the role reversal yeah. and when it happens, and it happened pretty early in. Yeah, and it was very satisfying. Yeah, um, I, I think yeah. I think the establishing... episode six was a huge high point for me in the show. That one's. I mean, I actually had them down because it's it's the episode about uh, invading people's dreams. Um, is uh, yeah. Uh, a, a, I was like, this is the Mucal Dreamy episode. It turns out it was it was literally a Mucal Dreamy episode. There you go. It was a Mucal um, Dreamy joint. Yeah, that one has a lot of pretty good bits. Is that the one with the um, the sort of like the the swamp? No, ep- no. Episode six is episode six is the the younger Momo inside the, the dream. Okay, okay. I really? Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, I got okay. the episode up to check because the three is when she okay, first okay. finds out about the dream thing, but episode six is when she gets the mirror to actually go inside other people's dreams. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the mirror is actually an example of the show having one, like, again, like, the little smart visual images. It's this, like, dream mirror which you have to tune to enter other people's psyches, and it has this, like, genuinely quite unpleasant to look at, like, cyberpunk static effect that looks Yeah, I really think cool. the dream effects are pretty cute in this show. Um, yeah. They're distinctive enough to be fun visually, and they're not super, like, they're not super noisy or loud um, visually either. Um, yeah, the dream effects are pretty good. I'm a fan. I like that it looks a little bit like the Matrix, but not 100% like the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the, 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 the Trauma Dimension episode is when it gets, it gets quite interesting, and then you have, uh, Momo really starts gaslighting Shemiko, which is good. I always like those bits. Yes. Uh, they, they have a, a low-key kind of unhealthy relationship in a really cool way. Um, yeah, it's a good dynamic for sure. It's it is it's very codependent. It, it is, um, and and when you add um, no, we're getting off other parts. I will say yeah, the the relationship develops in a really interesting way, where again the status quo keeps on changing. It, and I think the show is very good at very, it very rarely sacrifices emotional genuineness or character development for comedy like I yeah I, I think like i i could see a show again something like jackie which is just like oh we're just gonna basically reset characters even once they have like moments of like yeah like jackie is is a soft porn comedy yeah like essentially which is I, I totally f- fine i feel like we should get a better comparison jackie because jackie is like not very good it just hit, that yeah i I use I oh uh, yeah I know I know no 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 I mean it's it totally makes sense to bring it up but like it's just like it's honestly I think that the show is doing so much um different shit that mm. it doesn't have a ton of clear cut comparisons it do- it is an odd one for a Kirara series like we talked about how it would fit in uh, either in Kirara or Shonen Jump or um, Yurihime I think that that's just straight up true um it, there's enough. There's not enough fighting going on to be in Shonen Jump, but there's more than enough world and lore and power tech. There's some yeah. power leveling in this show there's for sure. There's a lot of power level. Um, 
Honestly, I think that out of the show's, like, various angles, the part that was the least effective for me was probably just the gag manga aspect, like, the actual classic for coma. Yeah, I I think the show is, like... I'd say the show's sense of humor is, with ex- occasional strong bits, mostly to Lilith, is... It's funny. It's fine. It's charming. It's, yeah. It, yeah, I think it's... a lot of this show is the epic fail girl has failed again. Yeah. And... Which is fine. I just found it to be a little one note. Yeah, I would say that the humor is... It's fine. Like, I, I don't know. It's like, I, I feel that the comedy is good enough that it doesn't take me out of the rest. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there are occasional strong moments. And I think I think it knows how to play its, its comedy for, like, genuine character beats or moments of empathy rather than, yeah, like, I think it's... mocking. So I, I was never annoyed at the humor, but like I would say it is not particularly funny. Yeah, I I definitely warmed on this show a lot at the halfway point because you have episode six, you have this big like like you have your first big status quo shakeup, and then things start really sort of accelerating from there. Mikan gets introduced soon afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have a bunch of other weird stuff with like the power levels changing because of uh fucking Xion's disgusting experiments and what have you. <laughs> Um, but the first half of the show, where they're mostly just establishing characters and a little bit of stuff here and there, um, by episode four, I was like, oh, epic fail girl has failed again. I have a couple of times where I just wrote that frustratedly, like, epic fail girl has failed again. Um, and it's fine, but I'm so glad this show has so much more to do that isn't that, because that started to get old a little quickly, and so the fact that it is able to move past it and work on romance and plot in ways that aren't detri- like that the comedy is not detrimental to and it starts taking focus off the comedy mm. and also lets the comedy sort of insert more naturally between these actually like important or resonant moments way yeah. way improved holy shit I, I i think i can agree there i i, I was a bit warmer on the comedy than you were and i think i was also more able to distract myself by i have a lot of notes about wow momo is so depressed and so sad and so cool uh, no momo is so cool <laughs> she needs some milk etc she she um she will get some oh uh, yeah for sure yeah i i do think the humor humor is best when it's like i suppose like, if i think of all the bits that i think are like the funniest and most visually distinct they tend to be Either Lilith's fails, because I think Lilith's fails are funnier. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Or have, like, the genuinely smart bit, like, the bit um, about um, taking the cola bottle out of uh, Yuko's brain to drink it. Yeah, in the I, I think some of the meta jokes, especially in terms of Sakuga, there's a there's a part in episode two where, like, um, Anri is just running towards her with, like, a cutout frame of the previous uh, scene in her hand which that that shit is a good crack up i think the meta jokes are very funny yeah i uh... i also think that this like all of the um genre parody jokes are very well done they are Um, it's it's all the maho shoujo bits are fantastic like the tf sequence timer in the bottom corner is solid fucking gold every time you see it it's so good i also like uh how the the the, magical girl transformation toy is now also just like a, a collection of like random coins and bric-a-brac that she's just yeah it's like a change purse yeah, yeah um and i think the actual the amount of change in it actually i think differs from transformation sequence to transformation sequence yeah it's good um yeah like i think 
it it has genuine fun with its its transformation stuff. Again, there's there's a fun bit where um, when Yuko starts getting her transformation, the the middle half of the series, uh, which a she cannot figure out how to trigger for a while, um, and then um, calls it her crisis management form because she can't. Yeah, that's a, that's a good. That's a really good bit. Uh, yeah, I think I actually, I think the show is like actually. It's not unfunny. Like I think we've been sort of talking as if like, oh, it's the comedy's funny. It's, yeah, it's no, not I... unfunny. It's just its strongest bits aren't when it's doing the same joke over and over again. Like this show is not a gag manga, but it also yeah. knows that it's not a gag manga. Yes, which is awesome. Like that's which, really all I need. Exactly. Like it, it. It ultimately does feel like it is someone's like idea for a urban fantasy series that they wanted to kind of sneak into a four coma context. Yeah, this show feels like a a very um a very fun and excitable fanfic in the best way possible. Yes, because it feels like it's building off of so much tradition, um, with its like love of the genre and the satire stuff. Um, I, th- those parts are full of love and full of uh confidence and understanding for what they're doing, and they're definitely the strongest parts of the show. Yeah, um, and again when it like kind of i guess also part of its assuredness it's like how it has these dark these bits that are kind of from a dark magical girl show like the point where um once their roles reversed and shamika was kind of acting like a magical girl and i was like yeah you're gonna have like a really weird like power spike on like the magical girl brain radars and there's a chance one might come into town and murder you and your family and this kind of just hangs, and it also gets turned into a joke by the end of the episode. Yeah. Um, it's like, there's an odd degree of, like, grounded horror to their world, which I think... Yeah, I would say so. Makes, again, makes... It... I, w- I would call it, a, I would call it like, lo- like tinges of, like, dark comedy in yeah. terms of the Maho Shoujo satire. Yeah. D- it's dark comedy, but, like... I guess I guess there are some funny dark magical girl dark comedies, but like it again, it has this like degree of elegance to it throughout, which is is quite impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we we keep on getting actually distracted from from the Momo and and Yuka relationship. Yeah, we've been dancing around it a fair <laughs> bit. Let's uh let's talk about how their relationship accelerates towards the season finale. Yes. Um. So, so firstly, this shows a lot of tail play. If, like me, uh, you got into uh, you got into tail play from Ark Knights, uh, this delivers on that promise. Yeah. The, okay. The tail play is really, really good. Every, every um, time that that Momo starts just grabbing Yuko's tail to make her do things, uh, it's uh, very good. I love that Yuko's horns and tail are like clinically designed in a lab to make her more bullyable. Yeah. Um, very clever stuff, very smart. The fact- I love whenever she's, like, someone's tugging on her horns and she gets a concussion. Yes. That's really- that, that shit's fucking great. Um, um, I would say- So, I- I think- I think a really good moment before their- their season finale double reversal. Um, so speaking of the- the insane occult girl moment. Um, yes, Xion. Xion. The design of the homunculus- Oh my god, uh, this uh, shit was yeah okay so yeah um the most twisted fucking single. This is what I like to call the someone's very special episode episode of this show. Because <laughs> there's this fucking bit where like um, 
they meet the occult girl. She talks about um, creating bodies out of homunculus clay. And then Lilith is like, yo, I would love to get in on this. Can I get a homunculus body made out of clay? And so they make a tiny doll body for her and they dress it in the clothes from one of the haunted dolls that the occult girl has. And then Momo says, yeah, I modeled the body after Shamiko and also I can still control it while you're inside of it. And it's like, oh, holy shit. That's not the bit I'm thinking of. Which bit are you thinking of? The fact it looks like Momo and Shamiko's daughter. Oh my god, you're insane. Oh, that's so true though. I, I, I did oh not, I, when god. I first, I was, like, my genius friend who I was watching it with, he was like, oh wait, it kind of looks like their daughter. I was like, oh my god, you're right. Wow. Because at first I was point. like, why, why is she white? That feels kind of mean to Lilith. Oh my god. But then when you realize, oh no, she's got like, kind of between ginger and pink hair and the horns, but also oh kind of like Momo's god. eyes. You're like, oh, Momo. I think the interesting thing about the the Momo and Shemako relationship is they leave kind of ambiguous, and I think kind of cha- I think Momo's perspective kind of changes. Is at the first at the start, you're like, so Momo doesn't want to just kill Shemako immediately, and obviously on some levels because Shemako is not a threat at all. But you're kind of left guessing whether it's because, and obviously she gets quite interested in Shemako very quickly. But it's like, right? Is it is it because she kind of thinks the Light Clan kind of suck? Because her parents have basically abandoned her. We know she's got a stepsister, and that combined with the living in a big house on her own thing, it seems a bit complicated. Um, or is it because um, she's, um, you know, is she, is she like so bored that she needs an opponent who she can actually take seriously again? Um, or, or is it the third option, which the end of the show kind of swings towards, which is. She wants to be corrupted into a demon so bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she needs she needs some demon coochie, like like expeditiously she does. The the entire finale of the show going in a direction yeah. which is like I because I, I was thinking it'd be really it'd be kind of crazy if something like that happened. And then and there's kind of like they, they kind of go, you know, a bit obvious with like the Yuri stuff the whole bit where it's like, oh yeah, you have to seduce us to the dark side and okay. Yeah, I saw that and I was like all right, that's fun. I wonder when that's happening. And it turns out, uh, very, very immediately afterwards. <laughs> yeah, pretty soon. Yeah. Um. Ah. Uh, uh. The setup for the finale, with um. Okay, sorry. Before we get any further talking about the relationship, yeah. I want to mention. I think the height gap is insanely important. Yo, twenty centimeters. Twenty centimeters. Twenty centimeter height gap. And and, and Momo is provided she gets nutrition. She's a growing girl. Oh yeah, no. She, Momo's gonna get a lot taller. I think Momo. Momo's gonna cap out at five ten solid. Ooh, I'm, I'm thinking for sixth. sure. Oh uh, yeah, I like it. 180 centimeter Momo makes sense. Let's go. 180 centimeters go. for 2021. Let's for 2022. <laughs> Let's go. Um, yeah, the height gap is awesome. Um, it is so cool that Momo sees like a tiny fail girl with funny horns and an extremely soft, delicate tail, um, which she mentions uh, if I remember correctly. Hmm. Um, I, I believe I like, she does. I like that she sees her and goes, "Oh, <laughs> oh, I need her to corrupt me so badly." <laughs> by the end of the show, yeah, I, I do. I do feel like Momo's approach, like I think, changes over the course of the series. I think at the start, yeah, definitely, she's just it doesn't like... start like that. At the start, she's like, "This seems like it's gonna be very funny." Yeah, um, and and by the end, she's 
Because it comes to basically the interesting point of where the characters realize, oh, hey, we can prevent Momo from losing her soul to the cycle of reincarnation or whatever by mm-hmm. basically turning her into a demon. Um, and and Momo very genuinely considers this before she realizes this is actually awesome. Because Lilith, Lilith is, is cool. She's based, but she is also Lilith evil. is smart with it, yes, but she's conniving. <laughs> she's conniving. And then she realizes, oh, wait, no, Lilith. Actually, it's actually technically not Lilith's plan, but Lilith it's Shariko's idea, and then Lilith's just like, oh, hey, yeah, also, I could use this to essentially turn Momo super weak and basically bold into me. And that's the only reason Momo's like, I don't want to be a demon, is she's like, if if I'm going to become a demon, then you have to defeat me first. And it's like, ah! Yeah, that was, uh, the, <gasps> that was such a good final note to end this season on that I was it just, was. like, real. I was very taken aback by it. I was like, wow, this got so much, um, what a... Like, not only are they raising some kind of stakes in this yeah. show, they're also tying it directly to their main couple's, like, ongoing, like, will-they-won't-they they situation. Yeah. At, uh, at, yeah, fantastic. Really cool ending. The show is, like, gooey enough with the, the status quo that, like, I feel like mm-hmm. it might... That might go somewhere. I really hope it does. We'll see. We'll fucking see. I'm really curious. Um... Yeah, I, my arc with this show is I started off very lukewarm on it. I got interested in the middle... And then by the end, I'm, like, actively interested in watching season two. Like, I, I would love to see where this goes. Yeah, I I, I, again, I was a bit more fond on the first half than you were. Um, but, like, yeah, I, I'm not, I, I think it is, I, I think I'm a little bit more weak to sort of pathetic empathy comedy. Uh, so if you like that, it's it's pretty decent at that. Um, mm. And where it ramps up to is is genuinely good. Um, so we haven't talked about Mikan much in terms of how she relates to the rest, um, and I think this is where we go back to the, um, the, the point from episode two that I will never stop harping on, because I, I'm, I'm terrible. Um, as much as the show can offer Dojinshi inspiration, um, yes. I, I, I feel like in, in a world where, in, in a just world, in a world where we remove all bushy road from the world, so people have to like find other things to get attached to, rather than all attaching this one like glob in the middle. Right. I-, I can imagine the insane brain Machikado Dojins. Like, I Mikan only shows up in the show to basically be like Momo. I don't get how you can have depression. It doesn't make sense. You didn't used to be depressed. You used to smile for me, and also I want to fuck your sister. <laughs> Yeah, that shit goes crazy. Um, whatever Mikan, whatever fucking insane baggage Mikan um, oh. has surrounding Momo, and I guess the Chioda, the Chioda clan girls. Oh, it's, it's in general. So... That shit, that shit is uh, evocative. I need to know more about that. And I do like at the same time, like, because they're like, oh, it's like, oh, she can be like kind of like a son's rival. He's like, oh, get away from Shemiko. But she's also like, oh, she realizes Shemiko is really good for Momo. <laughs> And... Yeah, no, Mikan is an extremely supportive ex, yeah. uh, primarily, who is just pivoting to <laughs> Momo's sister I- immediately. <laughs> Which is honestly, like, that's versatility. We'll love to see or, that. That's re- unle- I, I respect or, her. she might be doing the, the, the long game of having always been interested in the sister, and then um, went for what she could at the time. Oh, yeah, she might be the Machiavellian, the Machiavellian Maho Shoujo. Yeah. I know, like, I, again, like, while I think... It is sure is is lucky in that it has a main pair who are really good and you root for them, but you know what? I think 
the side potential, if you're willing to get a bit bastard brain with it, I think the Mika and Momo is good. I think the little you get of um, Mika and Shemiko is pretty good. I think the Lilith Yuko pretty good. Um, yeah, honestly, it's got it's got a lot of fun fun dynamics. Lilith Momo would go insane. Also, I gotta say, oh Lilith Momo, like would be good. Get, just just a bad end dojin about that. Either direction, don't care. <laughs> that shit would be crazy. <laughs> Forever. Ancestualized in, in my <laughs> forever in my ancestual ancestral. ancestualized. <laughs> That's right. Um, <sighs> yeah, I need to yeah. start looking up some doujins, uh rather than continue reading the manga. To be quite honest with you, yeah, I I'm... zero disrespect to the author. I do think they've set up some incredible stuff. I just don't love looking at it. I I do think after after season two is unless they like announce season three immediately, I might go to the manga. Depending if season two is like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty much right there with you. But given that we're on the precipice of season two, I'm gonna probably put it off for a bit, and then depending on how starved I am for needing more of this, I will probably pick up the manga after that. But this Um, seems like a classic, not going to read the first half of the manga kind of thing for me. That's that's fair. Uh, Oh, the fucking also the fucking bit. Um, they don't entirely deliver on this with the the final bit, but the bit where it's implied. Uh. Momo changes the school uniform variation she wears to be the darker colored version after the demon corruption speech. Yeah, I like that it's both like a darker colored outfit and also she's not wearing her depression hoodie yeah. over the outfit anymore. Like there's there's a couple different things happening with that change. I thought it was a really cute touch. Although I was I was disappointed her her date clothes were so bland. But you know what she's Her date clothes were kinda cute though. She was really hoping for one. She, she was hoping. That that was the bit of it. It's like, you know what, it's not the best outfit, but she thought about this. I mean, we, we know she asks me kind of about it. Yeah, that was really good. That, that like, ending gag where she thinks it's a date and Shamiko really wanted to have a, a, a great duel. That's, like, the per... That was, to me, just a perfect singular frame to end the show on. I was... It, yeah. F- it was. Fantastic finale episode in this show. I... Oh. Oh, and also, every time... Because, obviously... So Shemiko, we didn't like this. Uh, Shemiko is specifically a shortening of Shadow Mistress oh, uh, right. Yuko. Yeah. Um, and no one ever calls her Shadow Mistress Yuko except for the teacher, because I assume yeah. it's now her legal name. And yeah. <laughs> when they're on their own and Momo is trying to make Yuko listen to her, she starts calling her Shadow Mistress in like the most fancy yeah. fucking voice imaginable. It's like it's not good. This is really smart stuff. I also liked a small thing where, um, actually, um, Yuko is in Momo's phone as Shamirin, oh. which we never hear in the show, but I think that that's just so cute. That's so strong. Oh. She should start calling her only Shadow Mistress and Shamirin in season two. This is what I want. That would be... That this would is be my good. design. I, I agree with this.
So I've harped a bit on this show's sense of comedy, um, especially in the first half. Like like we've said, it's not bad. It's I think a lot of the jokes still land. I think some of the jokes are pretty one note up until the halfway point. Um, Epic Fail Girl Fails has never been my super duper favorite without some sort of impetus for her failing. And so the setup of the show being she's congenitally born cursed and and is going to be an epic failure because of her life was like i was like oh my god this better turn out decent and it does it totally does but yeah i the first half of the show i was pretty underwhelmed uh the jokes there's still funny jokes in the first half i have some notes here that i love uh okay i'm gonna be honest i think some of the hardest laughs i had were just when she says dumpu like a million times in a row in episode one fair when she's like stopping the dump truck and she's going dampu 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 i a lot of that really just got me um in episode three where she's listing all of like she's trying to think of like names for attacks and she's just like making food portmanteaus yeah none of those none of those translations made any sense to me and then she just says sneed and i swear to god i had to pause the show because i was crying laughing at her just screaming sneed um i had to pause for like five minutes it was really bad Fair enough. Very funny, but um, not maybe not the exact kind of joke they were going for. But I gotta <laughs> say, when she just started yelling "Sneed" while waving the wand around, I was on the fucking floor. I it took me out. I'm glad you finally felt represented by a piece of Japanese animation. Finally, so uh, finally, a funny girl has said "Sneed" in a sufficiently loud and obnoxious <laughs> tone. I can rest easy. Um. <sighs> Beyond that, I think a lot of the reference jokes are pretty cute. I think a lot of the genre stuff with Maho Shoujo is very smart. The TF sequences, um, the minutiae about, like, how the magic works. Everything about, like, the projectile speed and shit and, like, yeah. the beat. Anything that has to do with a beam in this show that really understand energy beams and, and how girls produce them. I think that was very well done. <laughs> the tiny little thing just chasing them as they run along the sunset. Yeah, really oh strong. my god. Um, I think I think also generally everything that has to do with the mum is pretty funny as well. Mum's awesome. I love her. I know I say that about every single anime mom that's ever appeared on TV, but Seiko especially gets a lot she's, of good jokes. She's strong. Um, she's like the heart and soul of like their family and like their family's like well being, and seeing her brought to tears over her new refrigerator being too big to fit inside their apartment made me uh miserable on her behalf i need i need seiko to have a success i need her to have a big win she she will get that big fridge one day dude i'm gonna i'm gonna make room for that big fridge in her apartment <laughs> i'm gonna help out her dad's oh. stuck in that box he can't do it i'm gonna have to come over and help yo him. the fucking the fucking plot point about the daddy box yeah was... the dad box is, is a good reveal that that cracked me up pretty good that was that was strong that was, that Genuinely, was a... throughout the show, I was noticing the box everywhere. She trips on it like once an episode, pretty much, or she like stumbles into it or like drops something on it, and it's a really, it's a, it's, it's something that becomes a really cute foreshadowed recurring gag, I guess, when she re once it reveals what what the box is. That bit was pretty solid. Uh, I like the running gag about eye juice. The eye juice bit I think is funny every time, and I like that it gets more and more of like a catchphrase or like a heartfelt like. It kind of becomes like a um a, a a yardstick by which they measure their relationship together at a certain point, which I thought was a really cute evolution for that joke. That was a good point, actually. Yeah, that was quite well done, that. 
and it does mean that we get to add a new flavor of juice to the the lineup that slow start already provided yes we got emoto juice now we have eye juice um i think at some point in the show we see a beam juice or something i don't quite remember but uh lots of juices lots of jice um oh okay minor note that i can't find anywhere else to fit in did you hear the Sarashiro Miyuki uh, cameo? No, what was that? Okay, so this is like literally two lines of dialogue and she's not credited and I'm dead certain it's her. Mm-hmm. In episode 8 when the trash kit when the trash starts blowing everywhere, mm-hmm. the random trash lady that brings up two bags and is like, "Can you take these out?" That's Sarashiro Miyuki just for no fucking reason. Should <laughs> <laughs> we check um, the, the Japanese episode end credits? I didn't check the Japanese episode end credits. I I did look on ANN and they have a the ANN is pretty good for a comprehensive listing of like bit part actors, mm. and there was no credit for Trash Lady, um, so I I I might double back and double check, but I'm, I'm I am, I would bet all of my, all of my female Jice, all of my uh, Oyasan Jice, all of my Oyasan cigarette butts, Whoa. I would bet all of my Kambaru Sugura monkey Whoa. arms that that is Sawashiro Miyuki's voice. I'm that's, dead that's certain. A, that's a big bet. I, I'm i laying it down. I have never missed a Sawashiro Miyuki voice performance in my life. Uh, episode 1 of One Punch Man, she's the mosquito lady. Oh! Wow. I, 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 Sawashiro Miyuki is my queen. I love her. She is the greatest to ever do it. We actually did not mention o- Oya-san like at all in our Hita Sketch episode because uh, there's just so much of meat to get to. But, yeah, we had like some odd oversights, but I thought, well, we've got okay. three seasons of that. Yeah, exactly. We'll definitely get to it um, over the course of 12 more hours of recording, uh, cumul- cumulatively. <laughs> um, sure yeah, Sarah Miyuki, right? greatest of all time, my queen, amazing. Um, in terms of the jokes, in terms of the joke translation, in terms of the localization on these subs, and on, I guess, the English dub, too, which I did... I, I listened to a bit of it. I, yeah. I liked Shemiko's voice. Uh, Momo sounds way too old. Momo's very yeah. flat. Momo, Momo sounds like she they got someone in who'd like voice like the Major in Ghost in the Shell to voice, yeah. to voice a Precure, which, I mean, theoretically very cool, does not work. Um, yeah, it just doesn't work quite well. I don't know. Something about the, um, like, Momo's Japanese performance has, like, a, an amount of, like, a weariness to her that isn't yeah. just, like, a flat affect. Like, Akari Kito does hit the right notes um, while keeping yeah. it, like, a flat affect performance, and I just did not come across in the dub whatsoever. Uh, I agree. Shamiko's uh, dub voice good. She's delivering the comedy. She's got the high energy. It's what you need. Um, the subs we use, I think we have the same subs, I'm imagining. Yeah. It's a recent enough show. I, are these official Crunchyroll or Blu-ray? They're very good for official subs. I, I, I assume they they're, aren't official they're subs. So they're so good that I can't eat. Yeah, I was, yeah. There's such high effort good subs that I, I genuinely don't know if they're official, but I don't know. It was a dual audio that came with the Blu-ray, so I, it uh, you know, it was, it was, it was found sub. Seems like. It was? Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, which. Yeah, those are really good. Uh, lots of effort wow. on like signage and like font work and like um, uh, one of the things that I would say plagues this show and I only say plagues because I think it is a little okay I like the show a lot I think there's a lot of parts of it that are good I would describe this show as incredibly busy yeah. visually and audially aud- yes. audibly uh, there's some aspects of the visual design that really irk me 
mm-hmm. everyone having gradient hair is yeah. so weird. I, I guess it works. Just... It works for the tone of the show. I just hate looking at it. Fair. It's a minor thing, but it really bugged me. And then um, the show has a very gag manga presentation of mm-hmm. um, uh, sound effects from the manga panel popping up in like big block text all the time, mm-hmm. with lots of overdubbed. Um, like a lot of times in a scene, Shamiko will be saying something and also like having a flop sweat. And so you hear her saying the line, and then she's also narrating her flop sweat in a funny voice on the top of the screen as well. Mm, yeah. In- incredibly busy stuff. And it's not bad. I think it's just, like, a lot. Episode 1 and 2, I was like, this is, like, tiresome. Episode 1, I think I think it's mostly that. I remember episode 1, she has the quite funny bit where she's, like, punching um, Momo, but her punches are so weak the sound effects just fall off. Those yeah, those. Key. Yeah, I think they do good work with those visual um, bits, but there's just so much of them at all times. They love fun. This show does love funny noises, and, and I think a lot of the funny noises are funny noises. But there's, it's just so constant, yeah. um, which was a negative for me at first, and then as it starts to, when, even then, like I think that they start leading the funny voices in more with what's happening. Like um, mm. a lot of the funny voices in the second half are Lilith um, doing or saying something funny or fail. Which, I agree, I think Lilith failing is a lot funnier than Shamiko failing. Um, it comes from more of a gap away place. It's more of like someone on a, someone being taken off of their high horse. Yeah. Rather than the poor girl falling down and her bento box lands in the dog food bowl or whatever. Um, which is, like, yeah, a lot of the Lilith funny sounds are some of my favorites in the show. Um, Shamiko just has so much work cut out for her in terms of making sound. Yeah. Um, um, and she does a good job, but so much of it. One thing the subs are quite good at is um, they do not miss with the wordplay. There's there, honestly like, an actual fairly plot-relevant sequence towards the end of the show has to do with a pun about um, grilling someone for, for answers. Um, yeah. And they really lean into it with the joke, and I was I was so impressed at how how much they actually tried. Um, yeah, good also, high effort stuff. Some some very good phrases like uh, "give her the smack roll." Yeah, smack roll. I think was a great way of um, sabakareru. They even got the same fish in the pun. Yeah, they were, which they was were very impressive. clever at like actually trying to keep a lot of the um, the specific nature of the Japanese jokes. Um, yeah, or the whole like "oh, is she gonna pound me down?" bit that just keeps yeah. on going, going. And then they have like think... the Kansai Ben dialect for like drinking some yeah. tea or whatever, which like yeah, pound back. Like you can pound back a drink in a bar. That's totally. It totally works. It was very impressive stuff. Extremely slick uh, localization. Except when they try too hard. With, I would say, one <laughs> glaring exception. Um, episode 6, when she learns the door code for Momo's house. This is not an actual complaint. It's just the funniest like localization moment I noticed. I have to point it out. And the door code is 65652. And so um, Momo is fever-addled, and she says, Goro Goro Nyachan for her pun which is like funny rolling kitty or something right yeah yeah it's 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 onomatopoeic nonsense um it's cutesy and okay so i understand what the subs are going for i know what they were looking at they were looking the five six five six two well if we make words that rhyme with all of that we can get a sentence that sounds kind of silly um and it took me it gave me severe pause because the sentence they landed on i think um adds 
I wouldn't say it's it's disingenuous to Momo's characterization because Momo clearly does need some some chicks. Um, but what they say is, "Oh yeah, my door code. It's live chicks and jive tricks. Wahoo!" And I, I, guys, I get it. It's... I understand five six five six two, jive live tricks jive live chicks jive tricks, and it's just it's such fucking nonsense. I feel like it has it's... to be a reference to something else. Like it's I, I so just specifically... think about it just made me think about an airplane. Oh, which is not like it's not what they were going for, but that's all I could think of when I see jive tricks in like twenty twenty one. Yeah, it might have, they might have just thought of airplane and be like, oh yeah, we can make this sound a bit like like it's it's just so so specific and so I wouldn't say genuinely funny, but like the sub clearly the sub has like a genuine sense of humor which does not line up for the sense of humor of the show. So I have no idea where that came from. It's, yeah, it it's... is because my um, yeah, me and my friend were both like, we just don't get this. We do. I I just genuinely did not understand what they were trying to do with the joke. I don't know. Um, it's it's so strange. As far as I can tell, it's just they needed uh rhyming words for those English numbers, which yeah. is not a, a it's a tall order. I get it. Um, and like I said, I don't think it's outside of Momo's wheelhouse for her door code <laughs> to refer live chicks and maybe some tricks she needs. And maybe some jiveness. And then she's saying Wahoo at the end because she's a big fan. The Wahoo but... is smooth. It's good. The Wahoo is brutal because it's two syllables. Like, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know. It's brutal. I, I respect the high effort. It only falls flat in its face that one time. And the rest of the show, it's very, very solid. So big ups to the subgroup on this one. Yeah. Extremely love your font work as well, I already mentioned. But the fonts are awesome. After, after the slow start, especially with the fucking Hidamari subs I watched last time. Yeah, you got the you got oh. the you got the rough ones for sure. Yeah, like it was it was nice to see something with an actual translation. Oh yeah, huge, big work on the translation. Good good job. As far as the comedy sound effects go, I like um a lot of the ones where they change it up. I think I mentioned before a lot of gag manga. You have a lot of stock sound effects that get used, so I'm pretty partial to anything outside of the ordinary mm-hmm. for joke punctuation, and they use like a uh, eight bit sound effects pretty often in episode eight and nine mm. and i really like those those are really cute this show has um a bit of visual language around uh, nes games in general yeah. i think something about something about the demon aesthetic um that the show goes for definitely ties into that era of nes rpg um so yes. it's 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 a sensible influence to to pull from and having uh yuko be like a fan of the games uh diegetically is really cute for her character because also she's poor so of course she's playing 8-bit games yeah um, and she's and played course, those 90-hour rpgs and of course that means the only games that lilith can play are the ones that yuko can imagine yep exactly so, so it just sort of it's a nice little feedback loop of um lilith experiencing uh <laughs> the exploits of her priors uh in the digital era um, yeah, good, good 8-bit sound effects, really cute stuff, cute touches. Um, a couple of really sick visual gags in episode 10 in particular okay. that I really loved. Uh, I want to oh. point out episode 10 director did the most in the show. Um, Yuki Ishida, she did episodes 5, 10, and 12. Okay. Um, so she got a lot of work done in this show and also pulling off episode 12, very cool. Uh, looks like she split duties on that one with, uh, someone else, but... Yeah, she did episode 10, and I really, I think episode 10 is my favorite, couple of my favorite, like, visual moments, where there's, like, um, the, 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 the freaky legs on the statue. 
the f- the fucking statue legs are so scary. It, it's such a cockroach. It's so um, it's really And then a couple less good meta gags of like um she's running to school and she's like got the toast in her mouth and she just pauses to say a full sentence and the toast is just hovering above her face. That's a really <laughs> solid gag. I love that one. I missed that one though. It's a good one. It's really early on. And then there's also the um cr- when she's like show me your powers, show me your powers and then it cuts to that one crayon drawing. Like yeah. just so uncharacteristic for the show but so cute. Oh, I really love that. I would have loved to see a bit more of that like weird like like storybook childlike nature individuals coming through. I think it I, fits with the fantasy theme. I think the show is actually like fairly consistent at doing weird unusual visuals it's just the way in it's which consistent it does at them... having them be weird but the yeah ones that it uses is just yeah no i see what you mean yeah i guess it's, it's a show that was like slightly more visually creative than it should be almost in a good yeah. way yeah but again so i was coming after watching hidamari last time which is like so in your face about oh yeah this is really visually interesting a show that's like half visually interesting instead i don't know it's weird yeah, it's 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 real close. It's doing a lot of cool stuff. It never like hitches its, its horse to it necessarily, mm. and it's definitely not a focus of the show. And yeah. it definitely seems to fluctuate with who's directing which episode, which I totally get. Um, JC staff they have a lot of staff at their at their place, is what I've heard. They do. Um, you call it, you know what the JC stands for? Uh, jump cut. Um, no comment. We're going to be yeah. watching more JC stuff shows until Mal runs out of these. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Don't worry. Oh, another joke I quite liked because I'm two two types of jokes. So people know me find know that I find mascots very funny. Um, uh. So firstly, the bits about the slightly horrifying local mascot. Um, Tamasakura. Yeah, has to dress up as her. Very good bits. Um. Uh, Tamasakura is great design. Uh, yes. It's nice that Momo is a Tamasakura fan. Good taste. Um, I like that the... one speech Momo gives about how like Tamasakura looks simple and you could call her a lazy design, but she's not that. She's sort of punching through the bullshit of the yeah. modern mascots and she's just like trailing off. That speech <laughs> killed me. That was a really good guy. Her, her being like a proper full of mascot nerd is great. It's like, it does the, really Aikatsu, the Aikatsu thing of if you're going to have a character who has the Gap Boy mascot thing, Making them embarrassed about it, boring. You've got to make them full on Ebipon brain about it. Make them absolutely psychotic yes, about this exactly. one particular thing. Um, I also like the texture of a, of a former magical girl being really into mascots because they're part of her oh, career yeah. to a certain extent. That's that's a good one, actually. That's a good point. Again, um, it's it's kind of weird that they don't have mascots. I um, mean, she does. She has a funny she cat. Do, she, she does have um, fucking Metatron. Metico. Who is <laughs> Metatron? So good. Fucking... Yeah, she got she got her mascot Babytron spitting hot bars. <laughs> I you know what I I am I still think Chio Dad is funny and I think making Chio Dad terrifying is a great bit. Yeah, 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 he's good. Speaking about Momo's uh, history and legacy as a Maho Shoujo, mm-hmm. um, I was watching this with Iris and we talked a bit about how specifically lots of heart catch precure. Uh, vibes for Momo's general disposition and like her her experience as a magical girl mm-hmm. um the, there's the empty house no family to speak of lost a relative to the cause kind of thing like she's got a lot of like Yuri from Heartcatch kind of going on and I've really 
I think it. I I don't think it uh, influenced too much of my of my reading of the second half of the show. But I'm glad that the show lived up to the unrealistic bar I had placed for it at that point. Fair. Um, in terms of Momo's character, I, I am so because um, I think you did a bit of research on on the author. And you could not tell any Dojin works they've done. Yeah, I can't find up. any any prior work by Izumo Ito. I can't find any aliases. Uh, if you know of any, if you have the inside scoop on Izumo Ito, I would be so curious to see. Um, they must I, the be into one Madoka. Thing... They must have been into Madoka. There's like, no yeah, way. Had There's to... no way. <laughs> yeah, for sure into Madoka, like a hundred percent. Um, I'm getting a lot of hard catch precure vibes as well. Honestly, uh, I think especially some of the mascot gags. Like if you remember Kope from Heart Catch. Vaguely, I, don't, I never actually watched Kope... Heart Catch. Oh my god! Wait, you didn't finish Heart Catch? I wasn't into it that much. Oh man. Okay. I'll give it another go at some point. We can, talk, we can talk about that later. Um, Hardcatch is real good. Hardcatch is really, really good. Um, that's in my five-star show listing that I gave you. I know. Okay. I know. I know. Everyone okay. loves it. I, I'm it's aware. totally fine. I know. I know you know. Okay. I don't even dislike it. I just... Just is like, you have to have a good buy-in. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Um... Yeah, Kope is like the big funny lunk. He looks like a all real monsters kind of mascot, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the big guy. I don't know. A little bit of a little bit of that happening as well with Medico's uh ripped shredded angel form. <sighs> Terrifying. Really spooky. Good stuff. Um Yeah, I don't know. I like Momo as a character. As a as a low key edgy Maho Shoujo with a dark past who needs a demon to throw it back for her. It's some precedent to her in the in the genre, and I think she lives up to it. Fair enough. Shamiko, would you throw it back for a Maho Shoujo missing a sister with a dark past? Um, anything else to discuss on the show? Um, okay, so I guess... So I'm gonna have a bit of a... I'll probably return to the show in the final thoughts, but just about the, the final act of the show. Um, where there is, there's, there's quite a lot of good emotional stuff. We have a whole bit where, um, basically Shemiko gets, it's a comedy sequence, but she also gets genuinely convinced that Momo might try and kill her mother. Um, and gets very defensive and it's quite sweet. And one thing I thought was a little bit weak in that, I don't know, I felt it slightly undersold some of the more interesting parts of the aspects of the series is how it turns out oh yeah the the light people didn't actually put a curse on the family to have them only have uh forty thousand yen a month income um and it was actually just like a side effect of curing um yuko's equally you know rough ill health due to the curse but i felt like it kind of softened the more interesting edge of the series by saying like, oh yeah the socioeconomic stuff was just a side bit um, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, look, the socioeconomic stuff is a little on the flimsier side as it as yeah. it starts. I think it's a good setup and it's a good premise, and I think having it be like an ambiguous curse was cute, and then tying it back into something that Momo feels sort of like secondhand guilt for because it's like her yeah. sister's doing, even if it was for like a noble per- a noble cause <laughs> or a noble end or something. I think that that adds a lot to Momo's dynamic with Yuko, but I agree yeah. it does sort of it does sort of leave that plot point a little bit a little bit behind. Yeah, and okay, that's some thoughts. I think I think the only thing about the show is 
I don't know how I would feel about it if I didn't know there was a second season coming. Yeah, I gotta because... say, a lot of my fondness on this show is predicated on being excited for season two with the setup yeah. they presented. If because... this was, if we watched this a year prior and this was standalone, I would be, I would be a little bit ruder on this show right now. I'm I... completely honest. I would still be positive because I would like it, but my reaction would be a lot more. Oh, I. It kind of hits me. As far as I know, there's never been a Kirara series with a fully complete adaptation. That makes sense. I mean, Kirara series just run for a million years for the most part. They also, like, run for a million years and the authors don't really end them. I think Kaon is technically over forever, forever now. Yeah. Yeah, no, Kaon then... did end not long ago. But it went, like, oh. two or three years past the show um, yeah. in terms of, like, timeline as well. Yeah, and then... And that's why, in a lot of ways, Yuyushiki is sort of, like, the only complete adaptation. Because there's no beginning or end point. You just have this perfect wow. little cross-section, right? Whoa! Consider Holy that. Shit. That's alright. Um, I mean, I mean, there are times where, like, Kira adaptations have, like, stopped at a point where I am happy. Um, mm-hmm. Like, sometimes that's... Sometimes they, they actually find a good ending point, or something even better than the manga, if the manga ends up going on too long. Um... Like, I don't know... I've probably got some guns right ahead for this. Um, as far as I know, I think most people think Hidamari's best bit is while Hiro and Sai is there, and people don't really like the stuff with uh, the new girl. Is it Matsuri? As much? I, d- I genuinely don't know the new girl's name. That's wow. how much of a hater I am on the low. Fair no, enough. I don't know. I, I don't know her name. Um, I have read very little of the manga past Hiro and Sai leaving due to emotional uh, turmoil. Personal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that makes total sense. Um, yeah. Uh, if there is one with a complete adaptation, then... No, I, I just don't think there is one. Yeah, I mean, you're the new game expert. I don't really know how far new game goes in terms of manga, uh, or even what season two covers. Uh, new game stops at a point past... Uh, new game stops in the right place, is, okay. is my thought. Okay, cool. <laughs> new, new, game, new game finds a... I don't know if it's gonna... I mean, other mangas ended it might get a season three, but frankly, I don't really care about watching a season three because i like where season two ends and i don't need anything else okay all right interesting yeah i i'm with you i think largely this season is a a fantastic season for setting up something that they're i i hope they deliver on yeah um it's it's it is a great first arc but yeah it is it's a, first a great arc. first arc it's a yeah absolutely uh but yeah no, I, I and it is kind of interesting for that slow start, which doesn't have an ending, but feels more satisfying as a standalone thing. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think we talked about how we didn't like how slow start didn't really commit to the catharsis of what it was like its ongoing yeah. uh, crisis for the protagonist. Yeah. Um, but it ultimately does sort of have a, a, a t- it ties a neater bow on stuff um, than we expected. Yeah, this well, deliberately this te- leaves it open because they're getting a season two, and I guess all that's up in the air. Yeah, um, I, because I, I, I think it it resolves what it lays out as a storyline very neatly. It just doesn't. It, it resolves everything that's in the show, but it has such a big "what's going to happen next" vibe that. Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, I I'm pretty sure I've read your email series that stop at this exact moment anyway. <laughs> Uh, also, also very true. So, I don't know. I think, I, I think I would still like it if it was just the first season, but I would go straight away to reading the manga. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I guess in that respect, as far as these series are meant to be like advertisements for manga, it's done pretty well. 
Now I'm gonna go pirate it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna perform the North American tradition of pirating our manga on Dynasty Scans. Yeah, I don't know if this has actually got an official English release. If it has got one, I might might buy that actually. I don't know that it does, but I, I asking the wrong person, I guess. All right, I think, I think that's gonna lead us into the mailbag. I believe so. Alrighty, once again, and as always, thank you so much for everyone who sent in questions to at funthingspod on Twitter. dot com. Um, real quick, we got one question that was just too late for our heat of sketch episode, so we're gonna squeak that in at mm-hmm. the start here. This one is coming in from. Q Votoms on Twitter. Shout outs. Thank you very much. And we're so sorry. This was like sent to us like immediately after we finished the first recording. So we're so sorry you're late. Hey, look, I'm not going to be the one to say it, but I am. All right. With that being said, here's the question. (laughs) If Hidamari Sketch was a mecha anime, which girl would die in episode three? Now, see, it would it would be Nazana. Oh. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But but of the initial four, if it has to be on the initial four, it'd be Miyako. Oh, I hate it be Miyako though. Oh no, it would be Miyako. She would be, be so overconfident. Yeah, and she would like have like a like the sort of the 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 heroic death, and it would like stay with you know the rest of it. Yeah, she would do the I am a genius. Oh no. Oh. Uh, maybe I was I was thinking I was thinking other vibes. Yeah. That guy survives. That guy just gets completely fine. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. No. No. Fucking Klimnik survives everything. He's fucking he's a Klimnik. stupid man. Klimnik. Uh, if you're if you're counting um second gen Hida sketches, and I think mm-hmm. it'd be, I I'm picturing a show where like Nazuna is dependent on Nori and Nori dies oh, early, and then no, Nazuna goes extremely dark sided. Yeah. Yeah. That would be sick. Be one of those two. It would be. Um, and if that sounds like a thing you'd want to watch. Go check out Coquette Dragoon Visual Novel <laughs> um, by a friend of the pod, Ivy. That is the best endorsement I could possibly give it. If you want to watch the, if you want to read the VN, that is the Heat of Sketch mech anime, <laughs> you should go check out Coquette Dragoon. Um, at time of recording, episode two is going to drop really soon. So episode two is going to be out by the time this is airing. So go check that shit out. Promise I'll finally read episode one, Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Thank you, QVotoms, for the mecha question. Merci. Now, let us dip into the show of the hour, uh, Machikado mm-hmm. Mazoku. The show of the two hours. The show of the two hours, and just two this time. Aren't you lucky? Um, <laughs> question from at Dmake. Whoa! This question comes with a picture that I'm going to send to you for context. Okay. Although, I don't think it needs the picture. It is a nice little photo, though. Um... How do we feel about Momo's Crocs? Good. They're good, uh, yeah. Low-key, I think, with the lime green, she is um drippy and swag with it. <laughs> yeah, uh, she has drippy swag with it as well. Um, I, I do think, I think, I think the green Crocs are good. It's, it's a solid look. The Crocs are good. I It ties in with her, like, like, depression, neat uh, wardrobe for the first uh, part of the show. Or I guess the first season. Um... I, I didn't catch it in episode 12 when she changes her school uniform if she still has the Crocs on. I don't know if they showed that. Oh, she's wearing black Crocs It would be now. funny if the Crocs are... Consi- yeah, she got black Crocs with, like, the little studs on the top. Ooh. Yeah. 
Uh, also, I do love how in this character's lineup, uh, Yoshua gets to be included as well. Oh, that's right. I didn't even notice. <laughs> yeah, Yoshua made it in. Look at him. He's a little orange box. He's so cool. Oh, man. Yeah, this is a nice little official height diagram of the characters, confirming that Momo is in fact taller than not only Yuko, but Yuko's mom as well. Very cool. Wow. Uh, generally, I think the outfits in the show are fine. I think they're pretty good. Um, I think the goofy-ass, like, I think all the transformed outfits are, are sufficiently flashy and genre-evocative. I think the demon stuff is pretty goofy, but it's supposed to be, and I think it's good at that. Yeah. I think it's fun that Lilith is shorter than Shemiko without her heels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a good touch. Um, I wonder if we're ever going to get the lore on Lilith's missing horn. Huh. That probably might come later. I do like how it resembles the statue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I wanted to bring this up at some point as a gag that I was expecting and waiting for and that I think the show did deliver on. Mm-hmm. Um, this statue is so perfectly tapered and round that I was like, are they going to have a vibrator joke at some point? And I think when they yeah. show the switch in episode whatever, four or something, I think when they show there's a switch on the bottom, I, I, I count that as delivering on that joke. So I did appreciate that. I think so. I, I think... I think the show isn't isn't one of the most squirt-brained we've seen. But it it's has, really it not has... squirt-brained. I think it's squirt-brained in the sort of, like, the bigger sense. In the sense of it fucking loves, like, magical girl corruption. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 got the uh, corruption art going on. It's fanfic-brained. I would describe the show it's as fanfic-brained yeah. in a very That's positive fair. way. Yeah, that makes sense. Alright, yeah. Uh, Momo's Crocs are sick. Thank you for asking. Uh, our next question coming in from at Hage Chiku on Twitter. Woo! Woo woo. Hello, Starlines. Question reads as follows. Hey, buddies. Love you. Love the show. Love you Long too, man. Same. Hang in there. I just wanted to know if it's true that Baba Konami, Baba Konomi, 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 Baba Konomi. Um, so this is what I had to research before we started recording, because I saw this question mm-hmm. I thought, uh-oh, I think she's from Million Life, and I got kind of scared, because, well, Ronka and I are no slouches. We're no Idol Master slouches. <sighs> I, That's for I certain. Don't, I don't care about Million Mess. I'm sorry. But we just- I watch the anime. You watch the anime? No, I will watch the anime when it comes out. Oh, it's, oh, it's coming out. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's, uh, it's gonna be like a three D CGI joint. Like, uh, it looks good though. It looks like um, Oseki no Kuni. Nice. Okay. Okay. Well, not really. Life is it has it has three different cat girls. That's uh, very cool. That's good. One of them is called Mia Meow. Oh my god, she's stealing Miku's swag. How could she do that? I, th- I think she might have. No, she wouldn't be from. Before. No. No, Miku's an OG. Um, yeah. uh, Cinderella girl. Million life starts earlier than you think. No, N- no, really? Really, is like 2013-14, which is obviously still old in Cinderella girls. But yeah, like... okay, that is earlier than I thought, but like, it's not, it's not like 2012 or nothing. Anyways, um, what I think this is getting at is that Konomi Baba, the character from Idol Master Million Live, and this is, uh, I'm not looking this up because I wanna, I wanna let you know that I'm not cheating on this answer. Konomi okay. Baba is, I think, the oldest character in the cast who is the shortest character in the cast yes um that's her gimmick that's her bit um and she's like she's kind of like nana owned it more yeah 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 yeah. like the midpoint between nana and sanai sure okay got it 
Um, but also she's sort of like, um, yeah, she's, she's tiny as hell. She is voiced by Minami Takahashi, a seiyu oh. who is in Machikado Mazoku as oh. Lilith the Demon. Oh. That's kind of... So I guess it really is true. What, what's true? It is. Konomi Baba. Konomi Baba, Konomi Baba, Konomi Baba, Konomi Baba, Konomi Baba, I can't do that shit. Um... <laughs> Um, but, yeah, yeah, Lilith is kind of like a Baba character, right? She, she's she old, is, though. She's, she like, 3,000 years old, right? Yeah. Okay, okay. And she's the shortest in the cast, except for Little Sister, as we've seen on the chart here, so... Wow. Yeah, lots of parallels to draw. Does remind me of, like, one lore thing, which was... How old was Yoshua? They don't mention that. Like, I, th- I, I don't know. The implications seem to be he was, like, kind of Lilith's age. Yeah, or, like, like, a similarly ancient demon... Yeah. Um, and that, like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't really get. I did not understand how much we're supposed to get about Yashua at the in the one episode they mentioned his name at the end. Uh, I'm looking forward to more Yashua lore in season two. That um, unironic, honestly. Um, yeah, unironic. Looking forward to more Yashua lore. Um, thank you for the question. Uh, hopefully, we can help answer, or we helped answer. Baba Konomi, Baba Konomi, Baba Konomi, Baba Konomi, Baba Konomi. Next question. Coming into us from Mega Colonel on Twitter. Whoa, that's a big colonel. That's a pretty big colonel. Uh, what would you do if you had an indestructible Mekon orange box? That's a good, honestly, good question. Um, because you can't really use it as like a table when you're in the bath because it'd be a bit too big. Yeah, it's an it's a bit of an awkward shape. You know what? Like the size and shape of it are making me think of like a fantastic board game, like a one v one board game table. Ooh, sort of like oh. a go table yeah you know? i think there's some card games on that as well yeah card games for sure it's a four-person card game table for sure mm. um I've, honestly um when she mentioned that it's grease resistant i lost my mind because i i would oh my god can you imagine how useful <sighs> that would be Cho- chopping board chopping board you can just straight up cut stuff on it like it's mm. yeah so powerful and I'm sure yeah. that Dad would love all the garlic smell. Dad's a lot of garlic and alliums. Yeah, exactly. I think that, that would get along really well. I think that could work. Yeah, that's an indispensable household equipment. Also, the fact that it's a, a stool that you can stand on any end, and it's probably still pretty stable. Mm-hmm. You can get, like, one to two feet of stool, no matter where... Oh, God, I'm sorry, I should have said one to two feet of stool. Holy shit. Um, yeah, you know, you can get, like, some variable sure height adjustment. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Um, no, it's it's pretty useful. I think you can find a lot of lot of context for that. Yeah, I think I think it's also uh, it really speaks to the family situation where, even though he's not able to be with them, he is still contributing heavily to their family by offering an indestructible piece of furniture for a poor household, <laughs> which is nothing to sneeze at. Like, we saw their fridge break down. You know, appliances going. It's a big deal. So having just an indestructible box is really really helpful. Uh, big up Yashua. Hope to see more of you, my friend. Our next question coming in from at Vanilla Dragon on Twitter. <laughs> Howdy, Vanille. Uh, oh, see, list. I like that. I like that when someone's username and the name you refer to them is kind of similar. That's really helpful. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Thanks, Vanille. It's it, it's useful. I appreciate it. Um, tier list ranking the relative tactical skills of all the famous generals from Romance of the Three Kingdoms plus Shamiko's sister. Oh, so freaking Cao Cao, Zhu Liang, 
I'm I know I'm mangling these names. Uh, who's the other like of like the great tactical three? Is that um, Lubu or? No, 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 he wasn't a tactical guy. He was just okay. a guy who fucked shit. He, Lubu fucked shit up. Like, like, did he like? Did he like get it in, or was he like a cool fighter? Uh, a bit of both. Oh uh, shit! Okay, cool he was guy he, he he ran around a lot. Um, he fucked a lot of people. He might might have fucked his own tactician, who I cannot remember the name of. Um, he's really hot in Fate Grand Order as well. Okay. Um. Anyway, uh, I have a friend who will be thankful if I put Zhuzhliang on the bottom. Uh, Zhuzhliang, uh, as far as I'm told, uh, sucks ass. Uh, all he made was an ox cart. He sucks. Now, I'm pretty fond of Cow Cow because he's pretty cool. I liked how, like, I don't know much about Chinese history, but, like, I watched the Salt End Corridor and it was kind of cool how they had the whole concept of, like, yo, this is, like, basically the evil guy in every other iteration of the tale because people are obsessed with, like, heroism above a guy who just wanted to like have vague stability for a few years so i'm gonna put cow cow at the top because he's cool oh i should rank them based on the icky tosin personas oh but the cow cow <laughs> icky tosin, um and cow cow is really good i'm gonna put cow cow at the top i'm gonna put rio just under him the guy who i can't remember the name of who is lubu's pal um is below her because rio is pretty good and she can also make drinks which is really important and then zuzhaneng is at the bottom oh did you mean the bartending uh little illustration yeah. That's Henri. Is that Henri not Rio? Yeah, that's Henri. Rio is like, because that's like that little montage in the OP. Oh, And it's Henri, Xion, and then it's Rio, And then after that, it shows Mikan. Oh. Yeah, so that's Henri. Um, I mean, so, Rio okay. would know how to acquire drinks because she's got yeah. connections. You know, she's just she she's a, a phenomenal di- diplomist in general. It's It's true. Wow. Oh, I that makes more, way more sense. But I thought it was just Rio being a bartender. It is really funny like, having the youngest character in the cast be the bartender. I, I gotta agree right. with that. Yeah, yeah. This actually does remind me of um a point I wanted to make about the, the social stuff in in um the show. Uh, Mal, have you seen Hinamatsuri? I have not seen Hinamatsuri. It's good. Um okay. that has a similar thing where like it has this like it has a much more on the nose bit of social commentary, basically about how Japan is terrible to homeless people. Um, but it oh, delivers interesting. Hinamatsu you know, is like really good, honestly. It's like probably if you said if you said name your favorite comedy anime, I'd probably just say Hinamatsu because I can't. I, there's probably ones I like more, but off the top of my head, it's like oh, that was really funny. Um, okay, uh, and that also has a point where uh, one of the youngest members of the cast has to start working as a bartender. Um, so, yeah. Hinamatsuri reference to the Hinamatsuri fans in the audience. Woo! Alright. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Alright. Um, thank you for your question. Our next question, coming in from... I, uh, I, I hope I answer that with... I, I'm sure some of you really like Romance of the Three Kingdoms, so I might have fucked that shit up. Yeah, I'm completely I'm really out of water here, so this is all on <laughs> Ronka's head. Um, if you don't like it, you can contact them on Twitter. Please. Um, Please leave me out of it. I... Oh, no, I forgot about the guy who, like, fucking convinced people that they were sheep. No, he turned into a what? sheep, and he was, what? like, a wizard man. Oh, uh, Moses. No, 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 the other one who did that. Um, God. Merlin? No, I, I know his Japanese pronunciation name, but not the Chinese one. Okay. It's Genpo Saji. I'm so- okay. I, I, I genuinely don't know anything about the Rats of the Three Kingdoms. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> you know more than me. Um, so sorry, Vanille. Hope this helps. Thank you for writing in. <laughs> Our next question 
coming in from Shik Ditz, uh, semi-regular Shik Ditz. on this at this point. Shout out Shik. If other members of the cast were to awaken some magical power, which side, light or dark clan, do you think they would be? Well, um, <gasps> we discussed Ryoko, tactical genius, and also she's yeah. got the blood in her, right? So realistically, yeah. she would have to be dark clan. She's has to be, yeah. But I think she would truly thrive. I feel both Anri and Shion would have light clan powers, but Shion would go dark on purpose. Yeah, Shion would just uh, dive face first into the um, corruption pool. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, Shion is built for that shit. I think Shion would be mad if she started off dark because she would want to go through the corruption specifically. That's a good point, actually. She's she's fucking sick. She's twisted. Um, I could see Anri as like a solid, like a red precure. Yeah. Anri should be a red precure. Yes, um, that's not right. Actually, on that note, what fruit would Anri be? Is Anri a fruit? I don't think it is. No. Um she could be a persimmon. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Or like or like a Yeah, okay. Yeah, persimmon. Lovely she on, color. She on, she would be a blackberry. Oh, smart, good call. She got that purple. Everyone knows the purple girl. She got she's <laughs> purple girl will be like hey you've been a great teammate don't come into precure academy tomorrow <laughs> uh, and then she snaps and she goes dark side um uh yeah uh i can't think of any other cast members that aren't already affiliated um but there you have it thank you shik yeah i should think that majority of the cast are magical or like adjacent yeah i was thinking like what would mikan be i remember that she's already a magical girl <laughs> Um, so kind of a moot point. Um, oh man, if Mikan has a corruption arc where she has demon blood in her, that would be super sick. Oh, I, think that'd be, I think that'd be an awesome, like, third arc for the show to have if this show gets a season three. I'm looking forward to yeah. that. That'd be awesome. Because Mikan is just built to snap, because she's so high-strung. I would love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, fingers crossed on that then. Thank you for writing in. Our next question. We have our weekly lightning round. Our bi-weekly Ooh. lightning round from at Cyber Yowie Girl on Twitter. Shout Thank out. Thank you, Cyber. <laughs> Thank you, Cyber. <laughs> Shout out to Yowie Girl. Uh, are you ready for the lightning round? Hit me. One, what are your demon names? Uh, the demon names in the show are pretty fucking funny. I actually wrote them down, the list at the start. There's some really good one. I would definitely want some, like, convoluted Latin shit. Oh, you know what? So- it would be Carmilla Electra. <laughs> Oh, I love that. Yeah, there you that's, go. That's pretty good. I I have the um the very tuny thing of wait. So do the demons? So do the other demons not have like titles in the same as like Shadow Mistress Yuko? Uh, I don't know. It's Shadow Mistress is like her legal name. It's not even a title. Right. Like I guess Yuko's yeah, still her true, name, but true. like no, she sent the paperwork and her name is Shadow Mistress Shadow Yuko. Mistress. Uh, I I have the benefit of that. Um, if you take Ranker and write it in Japanese. Um, not even trying, the two most common kanji for the pronunciation you end up with uh, is literally Flower of Ruin. Wow. So, I already have my Chuni name. I would be, I would be the, the Flower of Ruin ranker. Oh, beast mode. Very good. Question two. What are the best alternative ingredients for pancakes? Um, there is a fantastic lentil pancake, um, that I believe is, like, sort of Tibetan slash Middle Eastern um in progeny very good pancake recipe i've tried it a couple times it's real tasty lentils have a real nuttiness to them and it's dirt cheap and it's got more protein so 
That's my go-to. Fair enough. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I had an alternative pancake once, and it was alright. But, uh... I suppose things... Because I'm in the UK, so to me, a pancake is a crepe. Oh, interesting. So what I'm, do you call, think... quote-unquote, American pancakes? The hot cakey. American pancakes? Okay. Wow. They aren't really a thing in the UK. Wow, um, they're they're quite good. Yeah, I've had them. Don't okay. worry. I, okay. I, I prefer crepes, not to lie. Right. Uh, so I think of what's an alternative crepe I like? Um, gyoza skins. Make a really big gyoza skin. Wrap that up. That's, oh, that's man. an alright alternative pancake. Okay, alright. I try that once. Um, is it romantic <laughs> for girls to teach girls how to shoot beams? Yes. Absolutely. I know yes. you already knew the answer to this one before asking it. What's your blood sugar status? <laughs> Pretty lacking. That's what I've been drinking for the entire mailbag. <laughs> Mine's doing fine. Um, I'm about to I'm about to make dinner. Actually, no, it's Tuesday night, so we're it's our takeout night. Um, I think we're gonna get pizza. I don't know. We'll What's find this? out. I'm craving a deep dish. Uh, this is a reference to Lilith's fantastic T-shirt. Um, so good. My blood sugar level is dangerous, which is so fucking good. I might need to put from... that on a red bubble at some point, I think. I say, I have some must already, right? I don't know. I've tried. I've tried looking a bit, and I don't think I found it. So, well, well watch this space. <laughs> Maybe we'll launch an illegal an illegal clothing shop at some point. Yeah. Um, next question. If you, were stra- if you were trapped in a statue, what would you like as offerings? Ooh... I would like to be dunked headfirst in a tub full of sake. That would be fucking sick. Yeah, the booze is alright. Um, you know what? What I, what I have actually been playing recently, because I have brain disease, I've been playing the uh, the King's Field games, the, the, the PlayStation 1 RPGs by uh, FromSoft, who went on to make uh, Demon's Souls and of course. all that stuff. Um, so I've been, I've been quite enjoying that. So if you just put me next to, let's say, a PS1. Oh, um, I see. Yeah, yeah. Rather than an NES... And also don't mean some sake. I could be alright for a couple hundred years. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, if we're talking about which retro games console we'd want... Yeah, which retro games console? Um, I would probably go for... Uh, I would say the GameCube. And I would like... Oh, um... is that, is, is retro. Well, then I say PS2 then. Uh, you were allowed to say PS2, that's fine. Is okay, it backwards no, compatible? Like oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, then you're fine. I think that's totally cool. Yeah, PS2 and GameCube are officially retro now. Um... Uh, oh, that's rough. I know. That's so rough. I would go for GameCube, and I would want um, Path of Radiance. Or no, which one was the GameCube one? Was that Radiant Dawn or Path of Radiance? No, Path of Radiance is the first one, and Radiant okay. Dawn is the Yeah, yeah, I would want Path of Radiance. I would want Chibi Robo. Oh, yes. And I would want... Um, uh, what's a third Animal game? Crossing. No, I was Crossing never a huge Anko fan. Same. Like, I like them well enough, but like I had no desire to get the Switch one. Yeah. I mean, I fucked um, up and I bought the Switch one, and I was just miserable after like a month. So like, that's that's on me. It's my my lesson learned. If you had a descendant in your brain, maybe getting one of the Mario parties might be fun. Yeah, that'd be okay. I think I might go for not too. Pl- oh, Kirby Kirby Air Ride. I tried playing that recently. I had like a decent amount of fun, but I was playing with someone who refused to explain to us how the game worked. Oh, it's so weird, but it's a great game. It's so weird. We we had fun. When, when we started playing the, the City Trial and it just yeah. went, it didn't matter, it got good. Yeah, City Trial is incredible. Um, okay, last lightning round question here. What's your image fruit? This is a good question. Um, Historically, 
I think I would have to go with like an apple, and for the interest of visual interest, oh, yeah, I would go with a green apple. I think. Um, let's see. Um, I like bananas. Oh no, my actual favorite fruit is the tomato because I fucking love tomatoes, and I would just like eat tomatoes. Uh, if I'm we're just, allowed like, to do like vegetable fruits, no, then... because well, because it's it's the funny one. You know, oh, it is the fruit. It is the funny one, but it's also okay. It is a vegetable. I agree. It's a vegetable. It's a culinary yeah. vegetable. What what would it's your image vegetable. culinary fruit be? Not botanical um, fruit. A banana or pomegranate. Oh, pomegranate's a good one. Oh my gosh. Pomegranate's good. I I I think the pomegranate is is my favorite chewy fruit. I just like bananas a lot. That's it's not fair. a dick joke for once. Okay, I'm proud of you. Good. No, that makes it's sense. Evil. I mean, bananas. Banana is almost so easy. It's almost too easy to design apparel around for the ma- for like you, yeah. you know. I'm already Although, picturing what I, the plastic guess, toy looks like. I guess Shemiko already is a banana girl because she likes the banana protein shake. She does. She does like the banana protein shake. Good for her. Good oh, if she gets a big yellow outfit, that'd be so fun. Oh. All right, and then also one final question from Cyber Yaoi Girl. Um, about um, the show, like an actual proper naughty lightning round question. Okay. Is Momo the first autistic coded magical girl? No, because have you seen Star Twinkle? Oh, wait, no, chronologically. Chronologically, yeah. If uh, we're talking about the manga, like. Yeah. Because my other answer for this was the Hanakanazawa character from Magi Record. Yeah. Who literally has, like, puzzle pieces in her transformation sequence. What's the character's name again? Fucking uh, Kuroe. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's kind of Hanazawa joint. Huh. And she has the puzzle pieces in her TF sequence, and when I saw that for the first time, I just started laughing. Kind of Hanazawa, you've done it again. You made another girl autistic. I I love that. I yeah, chronologically, fucking maybe. Um. Uh, that's, cause I was gonna say the the main girl from Star Twinkle Freakier, but she's yeah, but that would have been a year like... or two after, right? Uh, it would have been the anime would have started in. 2018, but it would be after the manga started. Yeah, after um, the manga, for sure. Probably one of the Yes Pico 5 girls. <laughs> God. The um, pineapple one? Is it the pineapple one? Uh, maybe. Oh, um, oh, is this... No! Oh! Oh, I have... Mm, I could have... Uh, no, I, I could go for this one, but I worried it might be genuinely offensive. Oh, if it's offensive, I'll cut it out. Um, Sailor Pluto. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. The future Sailor Pluto. Oh man, I don't know. That's not a bad answer. Like her hobbit is, she has that coding. I feel like. Oh, that's good. <laughs> no, I think that's fair. Um, shout us so, out if that was offensive. We will pay you ten dollars on do. Venmo. We will uh, not. And honestly, that. honestly, honestly, Sailor Pluto is is a all timer. So honestly, Momo actually does have a lot of Sailor Pluto's characters. Yeah, so. that's true. That's true. Damn, I man, I gotta rewatch fucking S at some point. Holy shit. No, you gotta you gotta watch Crystal. Watch Crystal. Are you serious? I, Crystal's fucking great. I Crystal hate how so it looks. It's worth it for the plot. Fucking serious? Okay, wow. All right, okay. When I say it's worth it, I mean, you are watching, like, you know how, like, everyone, how famous the Dragon Ball Z guy, like, gave up and just started writing about the bullshit? Sure. Mind? Yeah. Imagine if someone did that one arc into her series and then paced it about ten times as fast as Dragon Ball. It's so fucking good. Okay. It's like... Right. It's, I, I I had so much fun watching it. Like I, that sounds very interesting. 
It's good. Okay. I I I, I mean, for the I find the really, I find the old show really boring. I can't get through it. <laughs> oh man, I mean, there's a lot of filler in the '90s stuff, but like when it's it gets good, it gets good. But yeah, I'm with you. If you're talking about watching the entirety of a show, that makes a lot of sense. All right, taken under advisory. Thank you. And, thank and also, you... switch the art style later on. But I prefer the okay. first one. So. Oh, dude, I fucking hate the first art style so much. They look bug. They look <sighs> truly bug-eyed. They look like um, they look like Clonad had too much fucking mascara. That, that sounds good as the problem. It's like that, oh, fits, that fixes that fixes the issue with Key. If, no, if key I goes, like the key. I love existence. the key goopy shit. I love how goopy no. the fucking faces look. Yeah. All right, look, no. we, can fight about, we can fight about fucking oh. some other time. That's totally fine. Oh. Well, all right. Thank you very much, uh, Rat, for your questions. Thank you, Cyber Yowie Girl. And our final question for this episode, uh, coming in from at Lesbian Witch Elf on Twitter. Thank you, Schnooze. Um, would you two be able to handle the recording, the onomatopoeia, for your own life? Also, Lico is cool. Lico. I don't know what Lico is. Is that same from the manga? L I C O? I don't know. Lico. I guess licking is pretty cool. That's true. Yeah, it sounds kind of like uh, Lico. Just like Lico. Um, I kind of record a lot of onomatopoeia for my life. I think already. This is actually true. Like sometimes yeah. I'll be in a, a call with Mal and she'll just start ad-libbing. Yeah, I've oh. been able to keep it. I've been able to edit it out of the podcast, frankly. Um. But yeah, no, I would, it would let's be more onomatopoeia and more like, just like background, like hype man, freestyling sort of stuff. Kind yeah, of like this, uh, stream of consciousness, das racist style, um, bars. I'm kind of accomplished as far as rapping goes. <laughs> this is going to bite you in the ass someday. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, it's not. <laughs> I just sneezed because someone started plotting to kill me. Um, I, I don't know. I'm... I'm not very good at onomatopoeia, actually. Um, I'm not very good at voices. There's a couple of voices I can do. Um, I mean, your British accent is really good. Yeah, I get a lot of comments on that one. I can do that, and I can do the voice from a one-bag loop, and that's about it. <laughs> uh, so I could I could have a go, but I don't think I could live up to the grades. Mm, yeah, that's true. I... Although, if we're talking about if I were getting paid for it, like, yeah, I think I'd knock out some fucking pristine work. Mm. But that's neither here nor there. Money is the great motivator. Yeah, that's true. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, who wrote in questions this week. Um, Thank you. As always, much appreciated. Um, yeah, hit us up at FunThingsPod on Twitter. Um, or just bother us personally. But if you have a question, yeah. um, reply to the Twitter account so I can bookmark it so I don't lose it for the episode so yeah that would help me a lot oh. thank you very much i um, i love it when we get bothered i think i think it's fun yeah it's good i i, I do like getting bothered on twitter I, I i'm always up for a heated debate on virtually anything um related to the show or not so feel free to come combat us on any uh position positive or negative uh we're built for it and you better bring that fucking heat you better all right all right i think that will do it for the meat and potatoes of the show yeah let's start talking about our final thoughts yeah uh who wants to start i'll go first i think my thoughts are pretty okay. simple um you know i started off pretty lukewarm um i liked when it started getting interesting around the middle and i'm excited to see what this finale sets up for season two 
Um, overall, there's a busyness to the show um, that I think is a little bit irksome and a little bit grating, even if the jokes are funny very, very often and very funny when they're funny and the plot's good and I love the romance. There's a lot of things I like about the show and there's a couple of persistent things I dislike about the show. I think overall this rounds it out to a pretty even-handed 7 out of 10. Um, I'm very excited for season 2. I really hope they start cashing in some cool stuff. And I guess we'll visit that at some point, probably, on the show. On my end, a lot of my initial thoughts at the time were kind of coloured by the fact that the last episode is such a sequel hook to like a degree that is unseen in the slice of life anime. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and I'm almost a bit surprised that we got so much discussion out of it, because as far as I'm concerned, it's just pretty good. It's like very straightforwardly well made, and by all accounts, the source material is also pretty good. And as its own little complete whole, it sets out every beat, and then it hits every single one of those beats. And it's fun and effective about it. And my only problem with Magical might be, it might be too effective. Uh, it might have got me too excited for stuff that's not in the show. Yeah. They, they really did make um the first half of uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba, actually that's a terrible comparison that show so <laughs> they made the first 13 episodes of History's Strongest Disciple Kenichi they made, they made Boku no Hero Academia season 1 they made Loveless season 1 yeah. the only season oh, about magical girl demonic corruption romance but we get this tiny little taste of the demonic corruption, not the romance, the romance is there the whole time before it ends and honestly what is there I'm I'm a bit stronger this one than Mal is. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. Shamako is so sympathetic. Love her scrubbiness. She's so charming. Honestly, one of my favorite slice of life protags, because she kind of breaks free of the mold in all these like subtle, fun ways. If anything, she's kind of closer to Chaos and Comic Girls, which I, I guess we'll get to at some point. I'm not particularly enthusiastic. Okay. That shows mid, uh, okay. but way funnier and cooler. Uh, Momo is a treat throughout. Um, and the fact it's like so genuine its premise, and the way it doesn't short sell any of its characters or setting for the sake of comedy, while being pretty funny throughout, it's good. And honestly, the lore and storytelling is neat. Um, the fact it kind of plays out like a traditional sort of like fantasy urban light novel thing is clever. And I wanted more lore, which is kind of rare. It doesn't really feel like a Kirara show. If you told me this is based off some light novel, I'd be like, yeah, makes sense. Oh, totally, yeah. I mean, there's not even a teacher. Well, there is no, there's really. a teacher. She shows up. She sh okay. There is a teacher, but she's an actual teacher and not a sex pest or a stud. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She is a. Uh, she's gently supportive, which is very strange for the genre for teachers. Yeah, and normally I could find some flaws or like poor character balance. I guess it overlays on a single joke in its first third, but I thought the joke was reasonably funny, so it didn't bother me that much. And it doesn't really have dud episodes either, because it's always constantly moving forwards. That is true. And... There were no stinkers. I would agree with that. Yeah, like, there's nothing like the slightly weird pool episode or anything. Um, it, it's very concentrated, and if I didn't know season two was coming, I would go and read the manga right now. And it might not have the, the steaminess of the Kyosei X Eiko stuff from uh, Slow Start, but yeah. I need to see... If Shemiko and Momo don't at least kiss, they better do the fucking forehead touch. Yeah, you know? they gotta do the forehead touch for sure. Um, and Momo needs to put a ring on that tail. There's so much needs to happen. You and... know, you make a good point about the pool episode. This might be, out of everything we've seen, the show that I would quickest recommend to someone uh, who does yes! not watch a lot of anime, I think. 
there's there's very little it's a weird one but it kind of relies on your knowledge of anime a little bit though yeah that's but true I, I suppose if you grew up watching like sailor moon exactly like, like that, i think if you had you... any sort of background context but you weren't like you know you didn't have your layers of protection built up for seeing boobs on screen um yeah it is it is very nicely like normal yeah it's pleasantly normal which is different for us and not my favorite i I, I guess the exception is that like there is the whole point about how horny um i suppose the only part of the show that could be kind of obnoxious but i think the show plays it so straight it's fine is all the jokes about how uh horny yuko's transformed form is yeah but that's very they're very much lampshading that in a way that i think is fine yeah i I think it's good it's also like yeah you know yuko is appropriately upset by it and no one else is really bullying her too much on it and even then, yeah, the, they... the lens is, like, extremely, extremely chaste on those scenes, even, yes. I would say. I'd say so. You know, it's no worse than you're going to see playing, I don't know, any game by Blizzard or something, or whatever. You know, it's that's, it's, that's it's, it's video game power armor. It's not, like, anime titty shit. Yeah. Or it kind of is, but, like, again, it's I mean, it is, such a... but, like, it's, it's anime. De-emphasized it's... way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, I think that's kind of how it lands to me. It's a really good advertisement for a series where... I feel like I saw the prequel to a, a great thing, and instead I got this really good, like, zero episode. And, you know, as I said, we've already done human serializations that end at this point. Uh, and honestly, the whole, like, little joke at the end, like, one of them thinks it's a date, one of them just thinks the fight is ongoing, almost, again, kind of lampshades it. So, I don't know. I really liked it. That's a solid 8 out of 10 for me. Uh, very optimistic for season 2. But... It is weird that I I guess I've just never had this reaction to a slice of life show before. I'm like, this was a good season one specifically. Yeah, that's fair. I, but, I would agree. You know what? It's it's fun to feel different things sometimes. No. No way. And I would I would say this fun thing. I think it was fun. Yeah, I think this was a fun, fun thing as well. This is a fun, fun thing. When are we gonna stinker? We need a stinker at some point. Oh, or we need I'll tell you. Well, we need something that I like and you don't like, or something. Oh, I'm sure we'll figure that out. Um, sure there's a couple in the holster. Um, <laughs> but you know what's probably not going to be one of those things. If we're lucky. That's right. Yeah, if we're if we're lucky. Well, ne- if we're lucky, next episode we might have a guest star on <laughs> to discuss our first non-Kirara anime. This one's a big one, folks. It's huge. We're talking Lucky Star, season. <sighs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna doing the full double core. Doing all of it. So if you're listening along Which... at home, you gotta watch the fucking whole thing because we are. We are. Yeah. I, I I think at least this one there's a chance that people might have seen it. Should we announce what the next show is gonna be in advance going forward a bit more? No, it's two weeks in between episodes. There's plenty of time. But it's not often send messages to the mailbag. Uh no, it's fine. I, it's fine. I, well, we'll we'll discuss this off mic. Um, yeah. If it's bad, let me know. Uh, if you hear this and you want us to change how we're doing things, let us know. Because uh, we're only, we're only five in. We're still pretty early going, so we're happy to we're, make we're some changes good. to our editorial process yeah. here and there. Uh, so yeah, lucky star. Lucky star. Uh, give me a big one. The legend. Our third pillar. The whole show plus the OVA. Plus the, the OVA. OVA is, I I remember the OVA specifically, so. It's got to be important. I actually don't believe that uh, I've seen it, so I'm looking forward to seeing the OVA. Oh, 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 you're in for a treat. I'm excited. I, I like the OVA. I like I'm the OVA. fucking excited. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's going to be interesting. We're going to have, uh, hopefully, an expert on the franchise in. 
we will be, uh, be the the male equivalent for Lucky Star. Yes, exactly. Um, We're calling in a ringer. We're calling in some big guns. We're calling in some big uh, guns and low key kind of a big dog with it. Bow wow. Whoo. <laughs> uh. All right. Well. Uh. Thank you so much for listening to us talk about Machikado Mazoku. Um, I've been Mallory. I've been Ranka. And I think we confirmed that this week's fun thing was fun. A fun, fun thing. And until next time, ta-ta. Goodbye. Goodbye. You've just finished episode 5 of Our Fun Things Fun on Machikado Mazoku. As always, our intro music was the Mallory Scott Gabber cover of Fua Fua Time by Hokago Tea Time. Our interstitial music today comes from the Machikado Mazoku OST, composed by Miki Sakurai. Our intermission song was track number 10, Shamiko Mikaru Mid, and our outro song is track number 44, Kazoku no Kiki. Thank you as always for listening, and until next time, bye bye!